Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made, innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Hey, I'm KC. I'm Tyler. And I'm Jack. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening on my woods, people? It is a beautiful day in Kansas. It's 81 degrees out right now. The Whitetail Weatherman is giving you the report here. Do not forget who I am. (laughs) KC, you're driving. I am driving. That was not a good decision. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Lots of lots of bad decisions and good decisions have been made the past uh, eight or nine days. So let me just say this. Casey is a very responsible driver. He he follows the speed limits and puts uh, puts the crews on at the speed limit, like all the time. Yeah, all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's because we're not in your truck and you have don't have Navi because your Navi usually tells you what speed limit is, right? It does. And we ended up going a little bit fast. In a spot, and it's those hills, dude. You come down off the hills, and sometimes you try to speed up. Dude, cops don't over. realize. No, eleven they don't care, over. Actually, they don't. Eleven don't care. over. Dang, Jack's calling you out, bro. <laughs> it wasn't just a little bit. I'm about to let the air out of his tires when he gets home. <laughs> Silver bullet will not be a bullet. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, we were pulled over for multiple violations. Yeah, um, we were. <laughs> we were. So, um, I, I, I bore the brunt of that situation in. Uh, Will now either uh, accuse uh, Kansas uh, Department of Transportation of giving me COVID or pay a ticket. I haven't decided which one to do yet. So. I think the COVID thing's a good idea <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, Mr. Guy did not observe social distancing or wear a mask whenever he uh, came and ticketed me. He did not. But man. I made a joke about running 90 the rest of the way home, and he kind of laughed. He, he got, wanted to he so got bad. Real mad at himself. <laughs> yep. He yeah. wanted to laugh real bad. What he doesn't understand is Casey can break them all. Break them all, dude. That's why he left so quickly after that. He's like, I, I gotta go. Yep. These guys are too cool. That's uh, it, man. Yep. That but is it. Anyways, um, <laughs> what are we gonna try to start at like 
do you can go backwards or what, man? man no, go, no, 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 no. We we're go definitely back. not. We're, so we're, the, here's the thing. Why we're in Kansas is because we're heading back from South Dakota. It's a long ways. Oh. Um, we actually um, we hunted Nebraska this morning. We'll talk more about that here in a second. But I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about why we're, we are where we are. We're hoping to make it in tonight in a decent time. It looks like we will. And we have been in South Dakota since Tuesday the 30th. 29th. Yeah, we got there. Oh, 30th. 30th. Wednesday yeah, we got the 30th. Tuesday. No, it was, it was Tuesday. Was it Tuesday? Yeah. yeah. So we left on Monday? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Correct. So, yeah, we uh, we got there on Tuesday, and we um, we have had a blast, man. I mean, it's yeah. it was so much fun. We uh, Our plan was, I mean, this is a place, this, first of all, is a state we've never, neither one of us, all three of us, have been to. And uh, part of the country in a type of habitat that neither of the three of us, none of the three of us have seen. Yeah. So there's a pretty cool mystique to that and, like, adventure to it mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but there's also a f- big challenge, right? Learning curve. Which is one of your favorite words that I challenge? say from time to time. We need to. Uh, <laughs> in true South Dakota form, you got to call it a challenge mm-hmm. since we've been up there. First of all, one of the first things that we learned – in South Dakota, is that they speak a very different version of English yep. than we do. I think it's actually a, um, <laughs> I think it's a English version of German. I think that might is. be it. Yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> I guess it depends on who the person is, because some of the people didn't have that thick of an accent. But was it lady at that cafe? Is she the one that was like the? You couldn't understand the word she said. Oh my gosh! Oh, dude, but y'all y'all missed the first lady. Oh was, yeah, that was in the, the uh the uh pizza place. Yes. Man, she was behind the <laughs> counter, and uh, she was only in there for a brief minute. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's kind of weird. I feel like just random residents of the town work that convenience I store. I feel like yeah. um, <laughs> it's like they're on the honor system to where everybody kind – maybe they have the communism thing kind of like the reservation does. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like everybody kind of has part ownership of that convenience store, and yeah. they just all take turns – Working it and being it's like, there. It's like if you can make uh, however much profit you can make while you work it is what you make. Yeah, you know? dude. So I think that is probably how it goes because yeah. they're all friendly. So which yeah, that means were. they're trying to make the most profit. South Dakota is a very friendly state to hunters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they love like us. Every, they do. You know, I hate to be this way, but when you're traveling around, you don't always just be like, I'm up here hunting, you know, because some people might just spit <laughs> yeah. your food or whatever. I, nobody wants to eat spit, you know. No. But, um, even if it's Except your own, for y'all. but uh, y'all are some German first of opposite all, of Germanophobes, whatever no. they are. Uh, but like, they were like, "Y'all be hunting?" Like, mm, yeah. Like, which oh, is weird because none of us had camo on or no, anything. I did. Did you? Well, oh. uh, the first well, maybe time, I, maybe I had an on X shirt on. Oh well, they, they don't, don't know what that is. Surely, <laughs> <don't>. but, it, <laughs> but it, says, it says hunt. Oh, oh, Onyx Hunt. That's, they, that's good branding, Onyx. Way I to know. go. Way to go, guys. Now, now we know. <laughs> Maybe we should name it Element Hunt. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, the Element yeah. Hunt. Yeah. but uh, Let's not say that because they might make a shirt of it. Somebody else might steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, let's just stop recording now because anything forward yep. will be stolen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, got some pizza and then harvested our first animal shortly thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Definitely, it was a harvest. I would Dude, say. I'm talking out of that town, that particular that particular town. <laughs> uh, it became sharp tail mecca. Sharp tail what? Sharp tail grouse. Sharp tail grouse. So we had to do a little research on this. Uh, our friend Brian Coke from Ultimate Upland 
that Brian, that's the only plug you're ever going to get from me ever again, <laughs> uh, is he told me, he told us or whatever, that like he was going to be in North Dakota this time of year, this summer he was telling us this, and he was like, you know, telling us how there's a bunch of sharp tails all up and through that area. And I was like, eh, some kind of weird bird I've never heard of, you know, but it sounds like a cool deal. Well, you know how it is. When when bird hunters tell you there's a bunch of birds, sometimes it means just five, you yeah. know, like. Yeah, especially him because he doesn't yeah. post any pictures of birds exactly. that he kills. Yeah, um, it's like the limit on pheasants in some states is three. So when somebody says there's a bunch of birds, like, what does that mean? Yeah, you don't really you know. know. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but I looked up sharptails this summer, and I was like, oh, those are pretty cool, man. Like, the males have some kind of orangish yellow and, like, purple eyelids or something or, or another or whatever. I don't remember exactly what they look like because we didn't get any up-close looks at any of them doing their leck thing or whatever. But um, they are a chicken-sized bird kind of, about, about like a pheasant with a short ta- shorter tail. Um, they are very closely related to the lesser prairie chicken, I think, and um, are actually considered via the South Dakota's uh, Game and Parks website. They're like considered as a part of like an aggregate when you look at them with a limit and stuff like that, I think. It's like when together. you shoot ducks, you can shoot five ducks, but they can be a combination of different ducks. Right. right? You could shoot, or you could shoot, say, six ducks, five of them could be mallards. Yeah. Or you could have two, you know, pintails or whatever it might be. These are the same way. It's like the limit's five or whatever it is. And um, I guess because they resemble each other so closely and they're hard to tell the difference. When they get up, they I just bet decide, you can tell. Yeah, yeah, like you can shoot five prairie uh, chickens or you can shoot five sharptails or three and two or whatever. Did we ever figure out? If there was a limit on partridge, yeah, there's Hungarian partridge up there. That I don't. Did we ever see any? I don't know. What do they look we like? know of? I, do you I know what they look like? No, I like those other birds. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you know, either. Like, I mean, if you got them up close, I'm sure they look different. But I was dude, thinking it was brown, a chucker. Is that not? Is that chucker like chucker's a different street name for it or something? No, a chucker's a different deal. Okay, I think a hung, Hungarian partridge. Uh, you buy that at fly shops to tie certain flies with. Oh, you know, it's it's like a really modeled brown looking Jack's pulling up a picture of it. It great, looks it's very a much looks very much like a chucker, right? No, no. it looks more, more like the like sharp tail on the back. Yeah, yeah. But the head kind of looks it's a got little gray, like a chucker gray on it yeah. or whatever yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah. But it didn't have the mask or whatever though. Yeah, who knows, dude. Yeah. There uh there's some weird uh small like medium-sized birds that are exotic in America. There is. But <clears throat> A native bird that was harvested, right? Right back, right back to the story, right? Yeah. So, uh, yes, we uh, we started seeing these birds everywhere, and they're like in the ditches. It's getting kind of like golden hour, you know. Yeah. And so, like, I guess they're coming out to like uh, kind of feed on grit and stuff by the roads, and they're everywhere, dude. And KC keeps pointing them out. He's like, "Oh my goodness, what are these?" We're like, <laughs> "It's like they're sharp tails, you know. They're prairie chickens, something, whatever." And so, like, we're seeing them, we're seeing them, and, like, uh, finally, I'm like, man, I hope we don't hit one or something, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, this group of, like, seven gets up and starts flying. The wind is cooking, by the way. And, of course, they get up into the wind, right? Well, the wind happens to be pushing across the road. And I ain't saying I tried to hit one, (laughs) but I ain't saying I tried to get out of the way either. Dude, we smoked one straight on. And dude. it donked, too. It, <laughs> oh, wasn't it, like donked. A, it wasn't like a poof. It was no. a donk. Dude, I thought it broke my truck, which I still haven't checked <laughs> on to see. Yet. But, yeah, yeah, it, like, smoked it straight on, dude. 
and we flipped out because, to be honest, we wanted to hit one. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to eat one. We wanted to eat one. And so I'm not sure if we've eaten it or we kept it or not. I can't really say. But we did want to, like, at least see one, you know. So yeah. it was uh, it was pretty pretty interesting. We yeah. stopped, turned around, and got some pictures of it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we figured out it was a sharp-tailed grouse, and we continued seeing a bunch of them on the up There's hundreds up there. I mean, yep. they're around. And yep. you have to uh, – uh, South Dakota, very friendly to hunters in – like personally and then also like just as a state when it comes to licensing and stuff except for the bird stuff they know they got birds yeah they want they want bird hunters right so they manage for having a bunch of it and south dakota is known as the pheasant state right right it's got so many different well the thing is you can go up there and you can kill five pheasants you can kill five prairie chickens or sharp tail a day and then you can keep three times that as a bag limit like you can rack it up yeah so there's small game license what you have to have is 121 bucks as a non-resident, and our big game tag does not include that. Which yep. made so me sad. Made us so sad you because know, we well, also because we did bring a shotgun. Yeah, yes, we we weren't going to spend 120 dollars with the one shell between the three of us. No, because <laughs> we had one shell. So, uh, you know, we definitely could have probably found some, gone and bought some shells somewhere. But I will say this. That's some remote country. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of South Dakota that doesn't have uh, anything more than what you were saying is a gas station town. Dude, I'm telling you, from the Nebraska line north, it was just gas station towns. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so, and and so we, uh, anyway, we ended up hitting that that uh, sharp tail. I can't even figure out what to call them. Like I've called them all kinds of things on this trip. <laughs> we uh, we hit it, and anyway, we made it up to our spot. Uh, the spot that we had picked on the way up as being the spot we wanted to end up for the first evening. And we got there with, like, maybe an hour of daylight left. This is our scouting day. So this, like, yeah, it's the day it's before the, day the before opener. Opening. We wanted to be there a little bit earlier, but ends up it's just a long way to South Dakota. Yeah. So, Very long especially way. Especially if you're going to go anywhere further than the state line, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, you, there's actually no straight lines in South Dakota. You yeah. have to zig and zag to get places, too. So just takes a quite a while and uh, we got there pretty much in just in time to glass golden hour which uh-huh. eh, for all intents and purposes was the most uh effective it would have been nice to drive around more and get an eye on some ag and different stuff in the area but um we figured out some of that stuff just driving up uh but uh uh we had picked a spot on public land that we could go up glass across some private to some other public that we thought would be good habitat for deer. Uh, that Can we knew you, is that legal to glass across airspace of private? <sighs> Man, you're you're talking. You're gonna have to call the Department of Interior and <laughs> see what they have to say about it. Um, personally, I feel like I'm outside the, the statute of limitations on being seven days or more since I did it. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and we're, there weren't any corners involved. It was across. You know, corner crossing right. is bad. Yeah, but if sure. you just cross on the side, it's fine. Yeah, definitely. Um, don't do not take legal advice from the element. We but, were uh, on top of a pretty good <laughs> hill, though. So how far does the airspace go up that they own? You know. Well, that's a that's a good question. Yeah. Is it from the, uh, is it from like the lower deck or is it from a certain elevation yeah. or whatever? Like at what point does uh, airspace become international or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. That's yep. a good question. You're gonna have to call the international authority on that. Uh, I think I know who that is. Okay, it's a fellow podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, we were glassing a mile and a half away, pretty much, yeah. to um, 
a belt of habitat that was near some agriculture. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, um, Maven had sent us a uh, new spot and scope. It was like, was it the S10 or something like that? I don't remember. can't remember. Maven, S2, maybe. S2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, S2. So that thing was super handy. It wasn't a, it's not like a super powerful one, but it's a... Uh, um, Super handy. Yeah, Super Handy's a, a <laughs> local gas station for where we're from. But uh, it's um, it was slightly outgunned at the mile and a half, but you could definitely still tell stuff, you know. Um, no we, fault of the scope. It's just yeah. it's a we long, could tell, it's a long if ways. If it was a, like a big, sizable buck, yeah. target buck, which we, we could tell three you know, the yeah, first night. Exactly. There's target buck There's dead in right the ditch there. right yep, there. Somebody oh, targeted him. Targeted that sucker. But uh, just like anyways, grouse. that scope was bad to bone a half. Like, it was just – it's a game changer because you – you all were looking through binoculars. I was looking through the scope. I've got a cactus needle in my leg right now. I can feel. <laughs> Do you really? From that spot, probably. Um, you also sat on a cactus yeah. that night, too. Oh, my gosh. Dude, you did. <laughs> you popped right down on a cactus. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. But. <laughs> Boy, got up quick, dude. Um, the way we had found this spot is, you know, we were looking on Onyx pretty hard before we headed up there. And it was, I mean, guys, you've heard us talk about it a good bit. But Onyx is just super integral to what we do all the time right yep. and probably never more than this trip honestly because it's yeah. a place we've never been no one's been there we don't know anything about it and we're trying to figure out what's private what's public where there's deer and all that kind of stuff well, i mean and let's talk about this a little bit while we're on the subject we yeah. we had um you know and we'll kind of go into this but like the next several days we had to do a lot of driving to find yep. properties and stuff and we were pretty much on on x for six days straight or whatever, you know, and, and that was what we did. And so it's a huge deal for us, you know, um, when we go out of state. And I'll just say this, speaking of out of state, um, we just released a uh, – or we're releasing tonight as this podcast releases a uh, Map Scout Challenge yes, for right. the state of Illinois. Dude. Which is also known as Iowa sometimes. <laughs> Apparently, because <laughs> there's some giant bucks. Yeah. I mean – that Missouri buck that we got on camera was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, this dude's just gnarly. I can't help but use the, the word aggregate again because uh, it's a fun word to say. But we got two big bucks on this sucker, one of them being like, I don't know, kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime type deer for Dude, a lot of guys. He's heavy, know? got double hooks, man, on G2s. Like, big deer. You'll see him in the thumbnail, but it's worth watching the whole thing to see yeah, for what sure. it's all about. Some and, cool stuff. Yeah, and uh, just a real quick shout-out to our buddy Zach Owsley. Um, he uh, helped us out getting that camera and stuff, so appreciate yeah. it, Zach. Thanks for, for going and uh, doing that for us. Um, so if you see a new guy in the uh, in the video, it's yeah. him. Yeah. Just don't be wigged out like you uh, all of a sudden you got to a different video yeah. or something. Uh, we might do some more stuff with him in the future. He made a really cool, like, um, hunting rig that uh, we might try to talk about yeah. at some point in time. But sure. Yeah, so anyways, in South Dakota, we got there in glass, and as Jack said, I, I was using the, the the spotter, y'all were using the binos, and um, y'all could tell stuff were deer, but only I could really see what they were and what was going on. And we also couldn't tell sometimes that there was a deer there until mm-hmm. you had sp- pointed it out yeah. to yeah. us. Yeah, so. and you know, at that distance, black dots can be about near anything, yep. so it's kind of hard to tell. Um, but either way, that spot that we found on the map really worked out well because we were nowhere near those deer. It was the only place that you could get to see them moving from their beds to the food. Yeah. You know, you couldn't even, if you would have been on the other side of the food, you wouldn't have been able to see because of the roll of land. So, yeah. you know, having the, uh, 
topograph topographical lines laid over uh you know the uh aerial or whatever like a hybrid mode was super handy but um like jack said back to that uh we spotted three bucks coming out of one particular particular little <laughs> drainage uh and they like very intently walked to two groups of trees what ended up being you know kind of saplings or whatever once we got there later in the hunt but we knew that they were just walking these two trees and at that moment we knew it was like okay well that's the bed to feed pattern right if we can get in there and get on that we can kill deer yeah we can we can see bucks and it was a huge confidence booster you know first night in there um, we talked about the first 24 hours yeah. uh, quite a bit we did a podcast on it last year about a year ago mm-hmm. and the the first 24 hours was like looking good at this point <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah and then we looked at the uh next seven days of uh weather and wind and the wind <laughs> is it was hysterical oh my gosh <laughs> literally i mean and when i say hysterical i don't necessarily mean it in the laughing Dude, sense yeah that's the the full sense of the word hysterical yeah. pull your hair out type yeah. thing yes it was like uh the wind switched every 12 hours and it was what whatever that Basically, these deer were on a north and south pattern from bed to feed. Mm -hmm. And whatever pattern that was in, say, the morning, it would be the opposite wind of what we needed. And then that afternoon, a northern would blow in, and we would get the opposite or whatever. You know, whatever would happen. Pretty much the deer had the wind in their face every day. Every day. Every evening, every morning. And they were pretty much... And we we thought this, but we, we have confirmed it since. These deer were going to move... In the same direction, pretty much on the same trails, no matter what the wind was. Yeah. So, like, could be super effective if you just had the right wind. Mm-hmm. And literally, for the next four days, it was just like ridiculous, man. The wind would switch. You know, we'd get a we'd get a front come in at night and it'd blow the wrong way, and then we'd get you know they'd settle and it would you know because they were all just mini fronts or mm-hmm. whatever. I guess they weren't like. You know, those big cold fronts that last two days. Or months. What they call those months? Months. Because it's South Dakota, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so uh, they were, and, you know, it was uh, just consistently cold the whole time, too, man. Yeah. Like, we had freezing temps every night except for the last night. Mm-hmm. Freezing jacks, too. Freezing jacks, man. <laughs> I was cold. <laughs> hey, speaking of, I got a pro tip for people. Okay. Um, so we camped, just to be uh, completely honest here. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later on, I think. But uh, just a quick pro tip. I slept the first night in a 15-degree sleeping bag, and I got kind of cold in the early morning or late morning hours, you know, before <laughs> I woke up. And then the next several nights in a row, I took my down jackets, and I put them in my bag with me, and I put one of them underneath me. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily cold, just spots on me were cold. So I put them underneath me. And or one of them underneath me, and it's like it takes away because your down sleeping bag crushes underneath you, and then your, you know, your butt gets cold. You have or no loft. Yeah, so you add that little down jacket underneath you, and your loft. Uh, and I was warm, super warm the rest mm-hmm. of the t- trip. So pro, pro tip there. Works, and when you put your jacket on in the morning, it's warm. Exactly. Yeah. I put my I pants that. and my jacket, and my sleeping bag, my my socks. I it's did that quite warm. a bit. Like, I, did, I did my socks, As too. soon as the alarm would go off, I would uh, just grab my clothes and stick them in the bag for a little while, and it heated them up pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the nice things about a, a down bag is that, man, for about 30 seconds, it's kind of cold in your bag, but they heat up real quick. quick. dude. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. It's, but it's nice. Anyway, so we back to... We had a sweet camping spot, too. <laughs> we did, it's man. Nice. We did. Yeah. 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 Um, so, anyway, back to kind of the storyline here. We are... 
we uh, we we kind of it gets dark. We find that these deer are moving the direction we need them to, and everything. We're we're real excited. We're going to get back up in the morning, and and uh, glass them again. Because it's the next day's opening day. Yeah. But we don't have a great plan of what to do. I think we we know we knew the wind was we knew the wind would be good for that opening day. We really hadn't like thought out like extensively what the wind's going to do the next few days. Yeah. So we decided to get up and glass again. And that's I think that's when I really got cactus raged is that next morning. I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got cactus raged a few times. Um, but uh, still just kind of confirmed that that's where the deer were. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. the spot. And we got to thinking about it and got to looking at it on the map. And then when you realize, man, this thing is like over a mile from a county road. Yeah. You know, it's way back there. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's, that's – uh, you know, in a place that doesn't get hunted super hard. Yeah, rural South Dakota. Yeah. Um, hunting pressure is relative. <laughs> uh, we talked to, actually, uh, Spencer Newhart, the meter. we talked to him a little bit before we're heading up here because he's from South Dakota. And uh, Spencer's like, yeah, man, you know, you might have quite a bit of pressure. They might, well, I'm he said, to, it's on, I can't remember you exactly. You might have quite a bit of pressure this week. <laughs> there are guys from the road. I can't do Spencer very good. Um, yeah. It, that low register is just hard to hit. But uh, he was like, something about it might be a madhouse or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. He was like, bro, if this is a madhouse to you, I can't I can't wait to see what it's like on a slow day. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, but there were some guys around, a lot of ammo But shout punters. out to Spencer, too. Everything he said was right on point. Yeah, like sure. he, he he knew He gave us lots of good information and tips and thoughts. And it was all right on, on, on point, man. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for that, Spencer. But our idea of pressure and his idea of pressure are a lot oh, different. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and that's okay. There's no right or wrong to it. But, no, like, no. it was – I thought it was awesome, you know, yeah. like as far as how much pressure there was. We saw some guys, uh, maybe like two different groups of, hunt, of hunters that we knew were probably deer hunters. Outside of that, it was antelope hunters mostly. Or birds. Or birds. birds yeah. Lots of bird hunters. Yeah, that's true. But that first morning um, – Kind of figured out that's where we wanted to be, and from there decided to pack up our camp and try to head and camp closer to where the deer were. Um, wasn't that our first objective? Didn't we go and set up camp and then decide to go try to look around and find, like, plan Bs and stuff like that? Yeah. Wasn't that kind of the idea? Yeah, I think that's right. So um, We went to set up camp, and like Jack said, we had a really sweet spot. Yeah. And we found a, a windmill that wasn't working. And it had like a little corral or something right beside it. And it was kind of had grown up uh, some tumbleweed and stuff inside of it. And so it gave us a good north wind block, which we had a lot of north winds there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was pretty much uh, our camp for the next several five days or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was good, man. It was yeah. good. Thank nope. goodness for the cold because there was no prairie rattlers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you saw. <laughs> KC, that, KC actually saw bears, and I saw <laughs> prairie rattlers. So. <laughs> yes, I saw what had to be evidence of black bears. Had to be. It's weird. There's no other thing it could have been. I mean, there's just so many things that duke like a bear. <laughs> and that's Is bears that a, and that humans. That could be a song, man. Yeah, it duke could be. like a bear. Mm, I wasn't thinking it that way. Um, <laughs> Duking like a bear, duking like a bear. Is that beaver? What's that or in bear? there? I, I think it's beaver hair. Duking like a bear. Yeah, but um, <laughs> there's a, there had to be black bears around. Not by our camp, but definitely something going on yeah. in some of the places, which yeah. makes sense because there's agriculture. It's endemic habitat for a black bear. You and know? we're, I mean, we're super close to Montana at that point, you know. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but anyways, got that camp set up. 
And I think from there, didn't we drive around? We had established that we were going, weren't going to be able to hunt there that night at the deer spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm having a hard time remembering. Yeah, no. It, the the So, you know, we could make a long story short here and say that the next several days were uh, kind of hard to remember because it was all the same of us just driving and desperately yeah. trying to find places to hunt. And talking each other out of going and hunting the honey hole. Yes. Yeah. You know, that was really what was going on. It's like, man, this is like... There, seriously, there was uh, there was one afternoon where I talked KC into hunting it and then out of it in the same like twenty minutes <laughs> span. Happened. You know what I mean? That happened. Yes. I was like, gosh, I just can't. We like mm-hmm. you want to go in there so bad because you know it's just buck fest. And in we there. did have, um, I think maybe day day three of hunting. I think we had a morning where we were able to barely intrude, right, or something like that. Yeah, I, I got to go in there um, and be pretty close but mm. uh not like danger close really is that well what'd you do the day that jack and i hunted on top of the hay bales um what I, day was that that was like the first that was the morning first, that was, a, when it, that was morning two yeah so it wasn't opening day it was the morning after yeah gotcha. first morning we hunted a you stand up, kind oh, of you know i hunted that co- a dead cotton yeah wood. you pushed in barely yeah i was and just, still almost shot a deer yeah i had uh i had Two does come to 25 yards. I didn't think I was going to hardly see anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought I might see a few, but it's from observation distance, it was definitely an observation system. I had, I had two does. I didn't even get a stand set up. I got eight foot up on a limb. I was kind of running late. We, we, uh, I got y'all dropped off in time, but it's a long way back over to where, which is another problem we had the whole time. It was like we had to hunt close to each other, mm-hmm. but out there, dude, close is a very another relative term. Yeah, it's like, yeah. dad, come at some of these places are far from. <laughs> you know what's each funny? Other. The closest we ever hunted together was, I guess that day three or four spot where we all walked in. We, Jack yeah. and I walked in like one eighth, a mile and an eighth, and you walked in a mile and a quarter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're pretty close. That's that right, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we. Um, anyway, I had I had a buck that morning as, as well, like sixty yards, but he wasn't super big. He was just a little one and a half year old. Okay, people. Ooh, and uh, so we ended up um, over the next course of the next few days, um, just really struggling to find what we were calling buck holes, not to be confused <laughs> with other things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the pla- places that bucks lived, right? So mm-hmm. like you're looking for. In a lot of states, you're looking for a bachelor group of bucks on a property. We're looking for a place that holds, like, several bachelor groups. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's just big country, right? And so these buck holes are similar to the place we found the first night. Um, just small pla- or patches of habitat that are far from the road and hold bucks. And here's the thing. is It sounds simple, right? Like, go to the map, look at a place that's three-quarters to a mile and a half in that has good timber, and that hasn't been molested much and it's going to have bucks in it right Mm -hmm. but no because like you just mentioned we hunted you hunted a mile and eighth or whatever i hunted a mile and a quarter back in these two drainages leading up to like alfalfa on one side and planted wheat on the other like good stuff man oh um super remote and we both go in there and hunt y'all didn't have a very good hunt at all we saw a couple mule deer does the wind was just real terrible the thermals were bad that day right and our stand was just perfectly terrible for thermals yours was a little bit of better setup yeah i had probably the hardest tree 
to get in possible for KC and I. Was it? Well, mine was pretty easy. Jack wore cowboy boots, and it really made it oh, tough on him. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> no, that's a thing. It that's was a thing. hard. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy hang. But By the way, y'all get ready because Jack's about to create a cowboy, uh, Jack's Cowboy Boots Instagram profile, so y'all need to go follow that. Yeah, it's going to be bit. awesome. Great. Um, anyway, and – you know they're still apparently getting used, even though apparently for some reason <laughs> they're like skis. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's fun. Uh, but I, I I had a pretty good hunt there, and I saw thirteen does. It's like man, if you see that many deer, how is it that you see no bucks? You know, <sighs> man. I, mean, I feel like um, mule deer are just a touch more like a herd animal too. Yeah. So it's almost as if you take that bachelor group doe family group thing and like. Uh, grow it exponentially you yeah. know what i mean like well i mean that's true i only saw three different groups of deer for yeah. all 13 so yeah. but um, and that i think that um that was part of our journey in trying to learn and understand what would hold mule deer versus whitetail but that's not something we still really have figured out great no it's uh, we haven't tough to do in that country man and and we haven't completely figured out the what why why are bucks there you know yeah um because like pretty much anywhere there was some habitat that you would say there's probably deer in there there was deer oh but for not sure. all of them all of them had does not mm-hmm. all of them had bucks you yeah, know what yeah. i mean so it's kind of a weird thing so habitat's the limiting factor up there it's kind of funny because i feel like where we live and hunt a lot of times food is a limiting factor yeah um but up there there's food everywhere mm-hmm. pretty much i mean yeah you got some grassland stuff and some gray stuff that's not that great but like uh there's ag around right. so there's gonna be food it's just is there a spot for a deer to find a hole to live in? Yeah. You know, that's that's what limits it. So you, that's you're driving around all the time. You're like, man, deer would eat that so much. But can they find a place to nap during the day in the shade? Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of what you're trying to find to hunt. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's what we did. We drove, man, I mean, one day we drove at least six hours. I Probably hated it. Most of the, you know. It's mostly my fault, too. So A couple of days <laughs> there was... There was lots of driving. Yeah. Maybe two or three days there, there was a lot of driving in the middle of the day. And we're trying to desperately find somewhere that um, has a bed-to-feed pattern, essentially, Mm -hmm. like you said. Because, I mean, there's plenty of – you can look at plenty of spots, um, at least where we were at, that have cover. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, or habitat, like you said, or not habitat, uh, agriculture, like you said. But if it doesn't have cover this time of year, it can get pretty warm up there, you know. Yeah. So, like, other than a pronghorn, things are going to need some shade. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to find both of those two different things, but we weren't able to match them up very well and find a place to get between. And we honestly, we wanted to hunt out of tree stands. I yeah. mean, people go up there, they want to stalk mule deer and stuff like that. And that's cool. And I'm, I want to do that too sometime. But um, I was going up there to kill a good whitetail, you know what I mean? Going up to kill, kill a good deer. Good deer, yeah. And um, Hunting a tree stand you, is the way talked, to do it, Yeah, man. we talked about this a lot. And it's, it's like, you know, we can use this as an opportunity to do something completely new and different and probably not kill anything. Mm-hmm. Or we can do what we know how to do and adapt it to our situation and maybe have a pretty good chance. Yeah. You know, and ambush hunting is something that we know. Yeah. It's something that... Uh, I don't want to say we're good at it, but we do a whole bunch of it. Right. You know, so. Experienced. Yeah. Why not just take what you know and apply it to the situation? You know, I understand you need to be adaptive, and we definitely adapted in certain scenarios. Yeah. But, like, dude, st- sitting back a mile and glassing up a whole bunch of Badland stuff and trying to find a mule deer in a hole and sneak up there and shoot him, we, I tried it once, right? Found that little, yeah. little forky. Yeah. And, uh. 
well, didn't glass him up, just walked up, saw him, bent down, drew my bow, and stood up, and poof, he was gone. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Th- that would happen 30 times before I got to shoot. I know. You know, like, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to put myself in high-odd scenarios, so that's why. Well, and another thing about hunting from the ground or stalking, spotting stalk type stuff yeah. is, like, uh, and I've killed deer off the ground, man, uh, spotting stalk, that kind of thing, but, like, Dude, a lot of the time, especially with the light winds we had early mm-hmm. in the trip, you're going to be shooting a shot that is either through grass, through brush, uh, iffy angle, or, um, you know, at a deer that pretty much knows you're there. Yeah. You know, like the, the shots are just not nearly as effective a lot of times. And, like, dude, you can, these, you know, people are thinking, you know, well, so and so does that, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, like, the thing they is. Do. They yeah, and they do. Congrats but they, to those guys. <laughs> they they uh, also probably uh, bump a lot of deer. Yeah, and have a lot of eyes out there looking for the deer, mm-hmm. and they also probably mess up some shots and don't put it on video. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guarantee you. Because that's just ground hunting. Unless somebody else kills it later in the season, then it's okay to yeah put it on can, video. You but, can definitely do that. Uh, I think one of the things too with on the ground is that for the most part you're going to have much further shots, and you would. Yeah, going back to put yourself in high odd situations, um, I had some particular things happen later in the hunt that were, you know, some close stuff. But mostly from the ground, your encounters are like forty yards usually. That's a good it's, point. That's a, that's I hadn't a even thought shot. about that. Like last year in te- on the Texas public land buck that I shot, he was like seven yards. Yeah, you don't get that shot off on the ground. How really. many times were you like? 10 yards or less from deer this week Dude, you know the, a couple times that, us too the 13 mule deer yeah five of them were at five yards yeah. y'all see the video yeah. uh-huh. that's freaking crazy man. jack and i had um two bucks at like nine yards yeah, yeah. right and, and spikosaurus yeah spikosaurus like there's just you don't get nine yards from deer very often on the ground Mm-mm. out of a tree stand it can happen Pretty and you don't get drawn on them no. at nine yards. They mm-hmm. will see you, you yeah. know. I mean, you, obviously, if they look the other way, you can get lucky. But, mm-hmm. man, it's uh, they see everything ground level. It's, it's just – anyway, we're kind of justifying what we were doing. But, like, we definitely – these are the reasons why we want it to be between deer and their food source in a tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, anyway, we, we um, ended up uh, maybe day four – or five, we ended up, I guess five, we ended up uh, on the trip. We ended up um, going and trying some new stuff. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that new stuff for a second, though, um, because day four, we looked at one of those places mm-hmm. and decided it wasn't worth hunting. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the day we had our just road trip yeah. looking for public land and ended right. up not hunting at all that evening, which was just a, we were all kind of just after the end of that day it was just not a great day yeah but um it's interesting that uh we weren't paying hard enough attention or, or asking the right questions um and then on day five we were kind of in desperation because we'd given ourselves a deadline of like what time we needed to make a decision as to where and how to hunt uh-huh. and that's kind of what made us hunt there because like okay we don't want to end up hanging stands at 5 p.m. trying to, you know, kill deer within the hour or whatever. We want to get in there in plenty of time. Mm-hmm. So we ended up in this area, and we had found a spot for Tyler and I to both hunt that was from 10 miles apart or something like that, fairly close, right? And um, the place that Jack and I hung, um, 
was a place that we'd kind of turned our nose up at previously because we had seen a drainage that led to agriculture. We pulled up and scouted the agriculture, and we thought it was like some type of millet or like yeah, Dookie weird. Milo or something <laughs> it was with like, weeds in it. It looked you know? like a baby Milo. Yeah, and, and it had like a little head on it. But it wasn't like... kind of also looked like Big Blue Stem or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? it just kind of looked like a just hay grazer that didn't work out or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, um, the next day we said, all right, whatever, we're going to go hunt it, just see what's there. You know, because it's a great drainage with a good creek and some trees. Uh, well, ends up, this stuff that we're thinking is the Milo, that we're like, well, that's dumb, is a wildlife mix that mm-hmm. is planted by the farmer they plant some of it on some property that people can hunt and some that people can't. And this stuff is the food source. There are deer moving at 4.30 to go to this stuff to eat, mm-hmm. you know, like three hours before dark. Yeah. And, and y'all found that out because you hunted it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we wouldn't have known that if we hadn't hunted it. Now, under further examination, we figure out, oh, what this is is there's some type of Milo-ish type stuff in there for birds, but there's also two different types of brassicas in there for deer. Mm-hmm. There's a big old turnip and then like a horseradish or something like that. You yep. know, either way, they're they're eating the green stuff out of there. And, dude. <coughs> I think we should mm. leave that one in there. You think so? Mm. Hold on. <laughs> dude, Jack and I saw deer all evening long right there. Mm-hmm. There were mule deer does. There were little white toe bucks. There was little white toe bucks chasing mule deer does. It was kind of crazy. It was hey, a lot of fun. Don't you dare talk about a crossbreed. <laughs> oh, hybridization, man. Isn't it weird that people like to rage about that? Yeah. Like, that's ah, it's just a mule deer. Um, but uh, <laughs> you didn't have quite as good of a hunt, and Mm-mm. you thought you were going to hunt the better spot, yeah. and we're kind of feeling guilty about, about us, yeah, us yeah. going over there, and it was vice versa. Yep. 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 I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, well, you thought you were hunting alfalfa or something, right? Yeah, we we were we had decided there was an alfalfa field and that I was going to be hunting a creek system real close to it. And the thing is, what we had been kind of dealing with were these light and variable winds, which I'll try to call LV winds from now on. So in case you, uh, uh, you know, are listening now, you can catch on to that later. Does that mean the Raiders won this weekend? Um, I don't know. LV Las winds? Vegas, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so anyway, we're having these LV winds. And what they were, what was happening is, especially right at dark, you're talking about almost a zero uh, mile per hour wind. And when you're hunting in these creek systems or these little draws, the thermals, um, as the sun goes down, when big bucks come out, are going to work down the draw. They're going to suck your suck your wind and your scent down the draw. Um, as the thermals sink down those draws. So what we're having issues with is that a lot of these draws head out at the, at the ag. You know, the ag would be planted up high, and the, and the draws, you know, obviously work down to the low ground where all the brush and stuff is that deer bed in. So we're having trouble in the evenings hunting, um, you know, deer heading to ag because they've got a wind in their face with these LV winds. So we found this place that actually... I was able to hunt um, like a, like almost like a spider web of these head draw, headed out draws that were like four draws that headed out in this particular public and then came down into the main system and then another 200 yards or so down, I was able to hunt uh, deer that were moving from that to what we assumed was an alfalfa field. 
Although, turns out, as I'm walking in, we didn't, this was a day we drove a lot, obviously, and we were just baked, and we just couldn't uh, assess very accurately that this was not actually how alfalfa, it was some kind of a hay grazer that had been recently cut. And I talk about this in the video a little bit. Um, I had a bad hunt. I saw five white-tailed deer, and none of them came from where I projected that they would come from, which is where all these head, these draws head out. And so um, my thoughts were that the hay grazer was, had been recently cut, and so it had new growth coming up, and the deer were eating it, but that because it was a hay grazer, there was no, like, summertime food source in there that was there all summer that created a big draw for all the deer in the area to be there. So mm-hmm. I just had, like, a few of those white-tailed does that were around going towards that, that hay field, essentially, just to eat some of the fresh green stuff that had come up, you know. Yeah. And what we were finding is when we had alfalfa or something like that, that it was that had been planted all summer and been getting cut and stuff like that, it's, like, a big draw for a lot of deer, you know. So had a pretty bad hunt. Um and I say that, you know, five deer in East Texas on public land, we're like, oh, my goodness, we had the greatest hunt Dude, ever. Dude, we'll spend know? an hour telling you why we saw some does, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> so. A-dub style right there, man. But <laughs> we, uh, yeah, that, that was a tough night for you. Uh, but Jack, y'all had a good hunt. Yeah, we had a good hunt, man. We saw a lot yep. of deer. Um, the next day is when things got real interesting. Yes. Day six of the hunt. Baby, How day six. How appropriate, <laughs> man. Um, yeah. Finally, the evening of day six, we get our wind. Yep, yep. We, We've been what waiting. What happened that morning? Do you remember? I think we glassed around a little bit, uh, spent some time walking around midday, and... Uh, I, we were just kind of biding our time yeah, yeah. To, to that evening, I think. Joe biding our time? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Forgot <laughs> what we were doing, really. Uh, Jack, don't say anything about how you're voting for him. Gosh, dude, you always have to days. do this. You always have to say kids, something. Um, but, uh, Spencer Newharth just texted me. What does he have to say? Way. He wants to know what I killed. Oh, dang <laughs> Sorry, bro, it's teaser. You yeah. don't get to know either. That's right, dude. He ain't on the inside. <laughs> no. um, Which you probably just dropped a little teaser in the podcast. <laughs> How about it? Uh, you did. Dang, I didn't think about that. Um, Dang. Well, we kind of, we're leading up to the day six stuff. We're pretty here, much so here, aren't we're we? Here. We're pretty we're much here. here. <laughs> so, um, at this point in time, uh, I'm going to kind of hunt slightly more conservative than y'all are. Yeah. Y'all are going to push in pretty hard that day. So, Jack went with you. He had been with me most of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And he went with you to go film. And um, I stayed up kind of high, but I ended up setting up on that little clump of trees that we saw bucks going to. But you and Jack had pushed into kind of like the buck hole. Yeah, right? the buck hole. Yeah, we had, yeah. <laughs> we had. <laughs> so. pushed into the buck hole. <laughs> Call y'all the suppository I was, team. I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> you did say it. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we did push into the buck hole, and it was scary, man. I like, dude, this is uh, I just live for this stuff. You know, it's like game day, man. It's yeah. like when I played football, it's game day, man, and you just you just got this like butterfly in your stomach all day, you know. And it was the same day for the same thing for me on that day, where like the whole day I knew the weather, the wind was going to do what I needed it to that evening. So the whole day I'm just like. Like the day before, I'm oh. like, oh, we were gonna kill. And we then, should, 
What? We should talk about midday a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We kind of had a little bit of a party midday. So, yeah. yeah so, the, the day before, I'm like, I see the wind, the wind prediction, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, like, tell my wife. I'm like, oh, we're, you're, we're killing tomorrow night, you know, like, just so you know, we're coming home, you know. And um, and then of course Sunday gets there and I'm like I don't know you know I, I know. it couldn't it might not happen you know yeah and so uh, but like something happened and we all like turned this swag switch on about we turned you know, on Riz Radio we, yeah. turned, <laughs> we turned on Riz Radio and that's what got us going dude they had a double header of of Michael Jackson and it was just on after that yeah we were bumping out on the planes dude the wind was like. It was a nice, you know, it was a warm day finally because we had been having like 55 degree days. Sunny and 65. Which, like, people listening in Michigan right now are laughing at us, but like, if it ain't 70 in the middle of the day, like, we are bundled, you know. Put a jacket on. Yeah, so uh, we had a, we we did a, uh, our first like bath. Mm -hmm. We took our five gallon water deal and, uh, you know, some no scent uh, shampoo and just, took baths pretty much underneath that thing and we felt fresh we took our boots off we we're basically out there like i know this sounds bad but we we're out there in our underwears <laughs> on the planes getting some we vitamin were, d we man. were getting some vitamin d you know just getting sunshine and um and just thinking about buck holes you know yeah <laughs> well, i mean we just we had <laughs> so, it reminded me a little bit if you've ever seen the movie gone in 60 seconds yeah um like they they have this like thing they do before like their big heist of the cars. They all mm. sit around and listen to this, like specific song. I felt like that's what we were doing. We were like, we were getting into yeah. our mindset yeah. of like it's time to go get it done. Yeah, when Bon Jovi came on and made us feel like real men. You know, yeah, uh, we were like, man, this guy's like five foot, you know, or whatever. So <laughs> we're we're actually men, you know. It made us feel good. So and we only say that because Bon Jovi's you know got way more money than us. Yeah, but, that's right. Uh, anyway. So we decide to go in to the buckhole, and uh, we know that's about to happen. We party, we go in, and uh, we kind of like walk in together. It's a pretty good haul. It's like uh, you said it was like a mile or so, probably. Probably a mile from um, where we had to park the truck for yeah. for us or whatever. And so we uh, we drop KC off essentially. We go to this like there's this one big draw that comes out of kind of this the buckhole pretty much in heads up to the ag. And so we dropped KC off at the head of this draw, um, kind of to the west of where we're going in. And then we just worked down this, this draw, and it is super steep. It's way steeper than I thought. I knew one side was steep. The other side was even steeper than I thought. And um, we worked down in there, and it's like, it's weird because we, we have the, one of the confidence things that we had going on was that it wasn't just the right wind. It was like, a 10 to 15 all afternoon mm-hmm. and so we're like oh this is perfect thermals you know? aren't gonna be a thing no thermals you're gonna have sound cover and that kind of thing well we walk into this canyon it's so deep there's no wind down in the canyon and so and like i said it's been freezing every night there it's fall in south dakota right now i mean it's like there are hardly any leaves on the trees right now all the ash and hackberry have dropped leaves and so we're just crunching dude and all of a sudden, this thing busts in front of us, and it's the biggest <laughs> cottontail you've ever seen. And like, which I saw uh, the next day, by the way. Did you? I saw that cottontail. Gosh, dude, he did it. He kept, he would bust and run like twenty yards, disappear, and then you'd forget about him, and you walk real slow for the next like minute and a half, and then it would bust again, and it would scare you every time. It did it like five <laughs> times. Me and Jack are in there, and dude, I'll give props to Jack, old squeaky pack Jack. He. Was super quiet in them cowboy boots. 
Did he wear cowboy boots? He wore that? cowboy boots into thought, the canyon, oh. and I don't know how he was not <laughs> sliding because this thing was steep. But he wasn't sliding, and he was being quiet, dude. He Man. was being, he was doing a heel toe, stepping over stuff with his toe. I mean, right, he was like dude. Being accurate. Heck yeah. But uh, anyway, we get in there pretty. Why quiet. didn't you do that with me, Jack? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We uh, we get into the very bottom of this canyon, and it and um, it opens up into our buckhole. And the, the, I didn't know exactly where I was going to hang, but the tree that I thought I was going to hang in on the aerial was not in my favorite spot. Yeah. And so once we got down in there. And so we're like walking, and all of a sudden we get to this main crossing trail that's heading perpendicular to the canyon. Mm-hmm. And, and it's running along this belt of timber that you talked about that's in our buckle there. And... I, th- I told I turned around. I told Jack. I said, "This is a, this is the main trail right here." And we still had probably sixty or seventy yards of timber in front of us. And I just had a, I just had a good feeling. It's one of those things like I don't consider myself an expert, but I have enough experience that I'm blessed to have to get to go on these trips. We've talked about it on this trip, you know. Yeah. And so like when I see that, I have a very very good feeling that that's the main trail. And so at that point. I was like, when we cross this thing, keep your hands up. Don't touch anything. We're not trying to lay the ground scent down, but we need to cross it because I need to be able to shoot back into this belt a little bit further. And so we end up setting up like five, seven yards from this trail, but it gave us an opportunity to get a good window for like 40 yards the other direction kind of. Yep. So we had shots back that way. So anyway, we get, uh, we get to going up this tree, and um, it's a... What do we decide? There's some kind of ash, right? They're not like your typical like river swamp ash that we've seen down in the bottom of you know Texas or whatever yeah. stuff. But like, it looks know. like an ash tree of it's some sort. It's hard to man. tell. They kind of look like hickories a little bit. They kind of look they like look ash. They look a lot like hickories, man. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this weird tree might have been like a beach or something, like something yeah. we don't have around the house. Right. So it's hard that to was tell. definitely something different, you yeah. know, that we have. I've never seen, and it has. They have a ton of limbs on them, little bitty limbs, not mm-hmm. big ones. And so kind of difficult, you know, like not saying, um, you know, that we were doing any habitat manipulation necessarily, but like if you bumped a dead one, it was going to break off, you know. It kind of would remind you a little bit like a blackjack oak, that kind of uh, limb structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so we work our way up there and finally get up in the tree, uh, or I do, get up in the tree. I'm set. I set Jack's platform, and I'm starting to pull, like, camera stuff up, and then I see something out of the corner of my eye. And we've got a buck at 45 yards. And I'm like, oh, man. So I told Jack, you know, hey, buck. He's like, is it big? I said, no, no, it's little. Just be still. You know, Jack's real good. This is one thing Jack does really good. When you say be still, Jack will be still for the next eternity. Yes. Like he will not move. I mean, if he's looking up and he's got a crick in his neck, he's just going to keep looking up, you know. And uh, so, like, I realized that. You know, he needs to be still, but then, uh, but, but that the buck doesn't have a clue that we're here. He's not looking at us. So when that buck kind of like noses down, I tell him, hey, just relax, but be still. And so he does. Buck goes on by finally, and then we get up in the tree quick after that because it feels like it's getting golden hour because it's kind of down in there, you know. And, um, and so I get, I tell him just to hurry up and get up here. And we get us, we get everything up in the tree except for my bow. And, um, we're kind of, you know, putting the camera arm on and everything. And uh, I didn't realize how loose I made Jack stand, uh, <laughs> but it was pretty wobbly. Yeah. And so anyway, get up in there um, and we start seeing 
some deer moving out in the the native grass stuff like out kind of behind our buckhole timber and uh, they're they are so slow poking like i see three bucks working together uh and they are just it's taking them forever to to, to do anything and then we see two does and we're just having good conversation kind of talking real quiet you know obviously whispering or whatever but um um anyway we are just hanging out talking and all of a sudden we hear something walking and it's pretty i mean we looked at each other and we pretty much both i could tell knew it was a it was a deer you know what i mean you could tell it was a deer walking and so like i kind of turned my head and out of the corner of my eye i can kind of see that the buck is not a giant and so i told jack i think it's just a little buck and i kind of he kind of came out i mean he's pretty close at this point and he kind of comes out from behind this thick stuff and I'm like, I just said, I'm going to shoot this deer. <laughs> and, and Jack, like, went into immediate shake mode. <laughs> There's something I've noticed about Jack, too. If at any point in time there's a buck that, like, or there's going to be a shot opportunity, Jack, uh, he gets a little buck fever. I love not bad, it, dude. Not bad enough to, like, cause any problems, but I, it's just uh, kind of fun, you know. I, um, I'm the same way. Like, I can't tell you how bad I was shaking in the Gila when that bull was staring oh, man. there. yeah. But, I mean, even deer and stuff, dude, I shake hard when, when you shoot deer. And uh, anyway, so uh, I, I go to grab my bow, and this, the, this buck is coming down the main trail, but he's coming from a different direction than we expected him from. And now that we've been in there, I, I know why, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's definitely deer bedded down there, mm-hmm. but I didn't know for sure. I, I did know there was deer bedded to the east, but not necessarily to the west. And so he's um, he's kind of coming the wrong direction. So we're not completely set up to do anything that way. And um, he pretty quickly walks into what I assume is our wind, was what he's having trouble with. Um, but I had set up close enough to that trail that I thought with the stiff enough wind that we had, that I would blow over the top of that trail, possibly. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that truly is what, what ended up helping us out in this situation because he started stomping a little bit. I could hear him stomping, you know, when he got downwind of us and then very quickly stopped. And kind of relaxed. And soup got super relaxed, man. Yeah. It was weird. like, And I think it was just a matter of, like, he either caught our ground scent from where we walked in or just some kind of weird like quick thermal drifted down or something mm-hmm. into him for just a brief second. Yeah. But like he didn't, uh, uh, the wind was blowing over the top of him. I have to think, you know, that's one of the fun things though, about going somewhere and having, ah, what's the right words? Uh, just not really trying to shoot the giantest buck you can. Yeah. That's a good Trump word there. Yeah, um, I like it. But, uh, um, <laughs> huge, huge, huge uh, buck, you know, just having lower standards, yeah. You get to hunt deer that just aren't quite as sharp yeah. as the big old daddies, and you can get away with stuff like well, that. Well, and, and, and it's nice. Like you said, pressure's a relative term, you yeah. know? And so, like, uh, a buck wins you in East Texas woods, man, you're probably not going to see that buck for a no. while. It's that, and that's weird because, like, in ETX, even the little baby spikies, they know. It's like you ain't yeah. even seen a deer season. How do you know. know what's going on? It's like mom taught him, you yeah, know, or whatever. Dude. It's weird. Yes. But uh, anyway, so he relaxes and goes back to kind of just poking and feeding and doing his thing and um, works 
kind of down off the main trail at this point. I think, you know, um, I don't know if it, it may have been the ground scent, but he kind of pushes off the main trail, but he's still going the same direction as the trail kind of. And he gets, before we can get, like, get the camera finally set up and he's like relaxed enough for us to move a little bit more and stuff, and I get my bow kind of around and get squared up to him and everything, he's probably at like 20 yards or so, maybe a little bit under 20 yards. And Jack gets the camera on him, and then he goes over, um, and he's behind this tr- this big tree limb stuff that I don't have a whole, whole lot of shots or any shots really in. Um, if he And he goes over to this tree, and he's kind of faced by this tree. And I'm thinking, man, I told Jack, if he takes three more steps, I can, I can half squat and shoot him through this gap. He went backwards, too. Right? Yeah. Or didn't, like, we were hoping he would come more out in front of me pretty right. much. Right. Which you wouldn't have had to squat. Well, right. no, I was gonna have to squat that direction oh, too. Okay. Yeah, that was that was what I was talking about. Is I had a window if he'd have kept going towards your direction, mm-hmm. kind of. I had a window that I could squat and shoot in. So I told Jack three more steps, I can shoot him. And I said, "Are you on him?" I couldn't really hear him, but he was on him. And um, he ends up kind of seeing this little tree and kind of turning away from us and just raking this tree for like um, probably a good minute or so. He and smelled you and got mad. He got mad. That's got right. Mad. He knew there was an alpha in the in the woods, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe two even. Yeah. Uh, so then he he like rakes this tree for a while, and then ends up going kind of away from us. And I had ranged this like mule deer looking trail up the canyon that we came in on up the other side. Uh, and I actually I guess I missed the trail, but um, where I was ranging. Um, was not where like I ranged at 25 yards and I guess I didn't know exactly where the trail was because of the grass and stuff but I just was like it was an open spot that I ranged so Mm -hmm. it was 25 yards I knew that so he starts heading up the hill up that up the drainage up the canyon and I'm like I'm gonna get a shot here and um he gets going up the hill and he's not in my range spot but I figured on five yards more so I figured him at 30 yards and I had to still squat to shoot over there, too. So Man. I kind of squatted down and uh, put it on him. And uh, I'll let it go. Rip Shaw McGraw. <laughs> and it was Jack's Rip Shaw McGraw. favorite for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it was in the crease. He was quartered away pretty mm, heavy. Smoked him. But it was crease. And uh, and um, got you know front all the front of the lungs and all the arteries up there in the front. Kind of, you know, it came out like basically – the point of the shoulder on the opposite mm-hmm. side or whatever. And so, um, anyway, it was like butter, dude. It was it was insane, man. Um, still shooting those day six that I shot last year, man. The whole setup's a day six arrow setup and broadhead. And it made – I, I can't wait to listen to it actually on the video because I can remember exactly how it sounded, but it was just the – like those heavy arrows make my bow quiet. Oh yeah. And then you also like hit a spot that's a pretty soft spot behind the shoulder, and it's just like it sounds like a hot nutter, a hot butter butter knife through butter, you know, or whatever. Hot knife yeah. through butter. It's like whatever they say. It's like, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just like. Whoosh. And so uh, it was it was really cool though. But the the arrow, I couldn't see the arrow when I glassed it. But he ran off up the hill, and when he gets to the top and like crests over into the next part of the canyon. I could have swore I saw this blood shoot out the the, the right side of him, which he, I hit him on the left side. And so um, I didn't say anything to Jack about it. And we're sitting there just partying. Jack starts shaking, and we're laughing <laughs> and excited, and we're hitting each other and stuff, you know. And 
uh, I actually knocked him out of the stand. <laughs> uh, I almost just passed out out of the there, stand. Yeah, because he was like corner eye looking the whole time, you know, and just he was like, he goes, I'm almost passed out, dude. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, we're partying and stuff, and then Jack goes, I'm pretty sure I saw blood shoot out of his side there. And I was like, dude, me too, you know. So that was when you hear that and you didn't say anything about it, and you thought the same thing. You're like, oh, this is good, you know. This is a good sign. So we were pretty sure he was going to be dead somewhere not too far. Um, and so these deer were still out in this, or <clears throat> this CRP field, you know, out through all the timber. And I could see them kind of all out there still if I glassed a few of them. And I knew they were probably still in the same groups together. So I ended up uh, saying, okay, let's just calm down, do a little post-shot interview, do some B-roll break down real quick but super quiet and get out of here before it gets too dark so that KC can come in here because the next morning was a super good wind to hunt big bucks on down in there and I was like we can get out of here and KC you know these big bucks will be the last one so even if we did spook a deer it probably wouldn't be a big buck we can get out of here go up to the hill and there was a place that we could sit where we wouldn't be able to see over into the canyon where my buck had run off. So hopefully it wouldn't bust him if he was, you know, still uh, bedded up or something like that. And then where I thought we might be able to kind of see what was going on on your side. Yeah. And so we we uh, break down, get out of there real quick, hop up the hill. We're sitting there and we're just, we're just having a good time, man. We're just having good conversation, talking, watching the sun go down, man, kind of your direction. And... Uh, and basically, you know, ha- just having a good time, you know, and e- excited that we, we're pretty sure we got a, a deer on the ground, you know. And so uh, I don't want to, like, we kind of could watch your hunt a little bit. Uh, so, like, I don't want to steal any details from you. Sure. So you can go ahead and so talk about that. From there on, y'all said you kind of dropped me off. We all walked in on the same trail, and then y'all continued on whenever I stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I hunted pretty much the same drainage y'all did but i was hunting deer that were coming from a different direction mm-hmm. for the most part uh i'd intentionally or initially intended hanging a, a saddle up in a tree um that was kind of sparse but i thought i could make it happen then i got there and realized there's like no strategic advantage to being in a tree because it's one of those situations that you run into in country where there's terrain especially in open country terrain where sometimes you'll hang in a tree but you're eye level with the deer yeah and it's like man, um, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) all I'm doing is making it harder on myself to be because I'm up in a tree. Not to mention that tree was like the size of two baseball bats put together. Yeah, I've hung in smaller trees, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe I could get a little cover, but I got up there. I was like, man, if this thing was 15 foot above the deer, I'd hang in it all day. And there's no leaves on that tree, too. Yeah, no leaves at all. Yeah. If... But being eye level or barely above the deer, like, they're going to see you there for sure. Skyline city. I got down in that tree within, like, five minutes and decided to go sit in those clumps of bushes that uh, the deer we'd seen, like, six days earlier walk to, the bucks. Well, ends up those bushes are uh, American plums, I think. They're different than our little uh, Chickasaws that we have at home. They're kind of thicker and the the leaves are a little bit different, but kind of the same principle where... It creates like this little uh, habitat pocket, right? So the one I, I set up in is probably, um, I don't know, 15 by 15 clump of trees. And, and inside there, there's like kind of tunnels or trails or whatever deer spend a lot of time in there. And there's rubs on these things. So you you kind of can tell, especially on like a bed to food pattern. I haven't done this a ton because I don't get to hunt that type of pattern a lot. But 
it seems like Bucks will have a spot they like to stop and kind of uh, do their gregarious things that they do where, <laughs> like, they want to, like, leave scent and rub on trees and, like, just see what other bucks are around. Yep. It was like, and once I walked over there, I was like, man, this is going to be the spot. But the tree I wanted to hang in was, like, 20 yards from there. And I was going to have, you know, 20, 25-yard shots. Being right here, sitting up in this thing, I might have a deer on top of my head, you know. And (laughs) that's cool, but you don't always want to shoot every deer that you encounter. So if that happens, like, you might end up with a doe or a buck on top of you that you don't want to shoot and you don't know what to do about. Um, And lo and behold... The deer, even though it was a warm day, were moving pretty early and like at, I don't know, 5 o'clock or so. Um, here comes four does and a little buck. Um, I say a little. He was he's a decent buck. Um, they uh, kind of surprised me at like 50 yards. That's mm-hmm. the other thing with where I'm sitting is I'm kind of still in the draw just a little bit, so I can only see like 50 yards any direction. Which seems like quite a bit, but whenever you're in big, wide-open country, it feels like you are just in a room. You yep. know what I mean? Like, it just feels like you can't see nothing. Yep. So here I am, and these deer are walking directly at me. I'm actually standing up because I just started to put on my jacket, which um, I wore natural gear during this little uh, hunt. You know, I wore quite a bit of natural gear. I wore some sick of stuff, too, this week. And uh, This is not a paid advertisement, not, by the way. This is not. This is just <laughs> personal experience. Um that natural gear stuff's money on the ground, dude. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh, so uh, put on my jacket. These deer catch me standing up. I kind of slink down whenever they're kind of like halfway not looking. They never were like spooked or uh, like really aware. They're just kind of looking my direction. I think deer expected there to be other deer in that <clears throat> spot anyways where I was sitting. So like seeing a little movement or whatever probably wasn't the biggest thing. And I think they always look that direction just to see who's over there. Mm-hmm. Um so I kind of slunk down. Um, I like it. Slunk, slunked it. Slunk. <laughs> um, and uh, let these deer try to let these deer go past. Well, the does don't pay me hardly any mind. They walk by at twenty yards. Well, the buck that's following them has to just really investigate. I think that um, I had my camera arm strapped to like twelve of these little. Uh, bushes sapling plums and kind of just all strapped it up together and so, and i was filming the deer of course you know well the camera's looking straight down the pipe at the sun at the deer and i think he might have seen a reflection might have saw a reflection i don't know what might the have right seen might have seen yep. um off the camera and that's really what got him because i really wasn't moving too much um so being a curious buck like he was well, what is going on over there? Well, he ends up walking like nine yards away, uh, trying to get my wind. And <clears throat> it's day six of the hunt. I don't know if I'm making great decisions at this point in time or not. Um, but I made the decision to uh, say, I don't want this deer to smell me. I think that's the worst thing. That's how he's going to be the most spooked is if he smells me. So I go, bah, bah, and kind of grunt at him to try to get him to stop and then maybe, like, get scared that I'm a big buck or something and run off. Well, he just freezes, and then I snort wheeze at him, and he runs off and takes the does with him, and they go back down the drainage. I'm like, if those deer mess up my whole evening because they blew out from where I was, I'm going to be so sad. I was in, I was in a bad spot. 
uh, mentally at that point in time. Um, and well, not really that bad. I was just, I was kind of like, really, I was like, well, whatever it is, what it is. Um, anyways, about, uh, 30 or 45 minutes later, I see more deer and my spirits are lifted and ends up for the next hour deer kind of pile past me if anywhere from 20 to 60 or 80 yards. Um, I actually end up letting a uh, shooter or maybe even two shooter bucks get past me um, that uh, I really would have liked to have had an opportunity at. One of them was like a three-year-old eight-point. I didn't see him until he was quite a ways past. Really? Uh, yeah, and it was up at the ag source. A three-year-old? Was he big? Yeah, he was outside his ears. Dang gum it. Yeah. I didn't know about this. He was like an ETA kind of thing. Man. Yeah. Um, did you get video of him? I don't, yes, I did. Baby, I I'm did. A, I need to go see that. Yeah. Um, and um, let's see. Our friend Tony P had mentioned to you, and then you had mentioned to me, and then Jack and I had had some experience with this we didn't really talk about earlier, but... Uh, we had grunted in some little bucks that almost made it to us that I was going to shoot, and then they got wigged out. This is a different day. But anyways, the fact that grunt calls actually do work on these deer from this, you know, area of the country kind of earlier in the season. Yeah, Tony, right? Tony, I uh, was talking to him in Nebraska a bunch. And, yeah. And he was uh, trying to help me out, you know, and he was like, make sure you have a grunt call because I've grunted them in before. Yeah, and it's just something that deer just like to see other deer. They're, they're kind of... Well, gregarious in nature. Um, gregarious. Yeah. But <laughs> I have learned through the years that East Texas grunt calls don't work at all. But like anywhere else you go, um, it's real hard to grunt at a deer who's already gone past you. Yeah. So I couldn't grunt at this eight point and six point. Uh, they weren't going to come. They were like 60 yards away. And if I did grunt at them, they were definitely going to get my wind before they uh, or before I got a shot. So they just got passed. Well, I watched more does go by. And then it starts to really get good. Like, mm. it's that time of day, you know. And I was thinking, it's like, you know, the other day, those big bucks came out after sunset, and they started filtering right by these trees. And sitting where I was, I had kind of decided, like, I had a shifting scale the whole trip of, like, what I wanted to shoot, depending on the setup and where we are, where we were. And I knew that the next morning it was a good win for that place, too. So I was kind of like, uh, I don't really want to shoot a 1.5 here. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I kind of want to shoot, wait on a bigger buck. Uh, I think I can go back and shoot a doe tomorrow if I need to, uh, that sort of thing. So um, I was waiting, and my patience was rewarded with a big buck encounter. <laughs> I'd, I'd learned from actually my mess-up. Uh, where those does caught me standing, that if I would stand up, I could see a little bit further, and I could see deer start to crest the little knoll in front of me. I could see the top of their ears or their antlers, and then I could kind of get down and get in position and know to be ready. Um, that's exactly what happened. I saw antler tips quite big crest over the uh, knoll. Just the uh, tips were big? Um, actually, the brow tines were probably one of the first things I saw. <laughs> this deer, I'm going to with the brow tines here. This deer <laughs> has like at least six inch brow tines on each side, maybe bigger. The, okay. the left one's bigger. One I of think. them is like yeah. super long and they're real wide. It's, some deer have this. It's not very common. Yeah. There's a deer in my parents' neighborhood that's this way, but like the brow tines are 10 inches apart. Yeah. It's strange, but real cool. It's cool. Um, 
but I see that this buck is not really on my trajectory. He's actually going to kind of follow the crest of this knoll and, and stay about 60 yards away. So I get down, get for sure out of sight, and hit just a couple bet, bet on that grunt call, uh, and then grab my bow and get ready, get the camera ready. Well, I don't see him come for like um, an eternity, but it's probably 45 seconds. Um, <laughs> so I decided to go ahead and make sure, and I hit uh, a series of three, kind of with a longer one in the middle, um, grunts. And then he crests, and he is looking for me. So I don't know, because I couldn't see the deer, um, what was going on. He may or may not have heard me the first time, but he for sure heard me the second time, and he was looking. You know, maybe if I hadn't done that second series of grunts, he might have just would have just uh, moseyed on over. But he was intentionally coming over to see what was going on, which worked either way. Um, at this point in time, he comes through my first window at probably, I'm guessing, 35 yards um, and is really just looking right down the pipe at me. I don't really have an opportunity to draw my bow kind of further than what I would like to have to shoot. I definitely would have taken that shot if it was presented. But uh, he then proceeds to try to get my wind, which is going to work out well for me um, because he has to go pretty much 180 degrees around me to win me, right? Mm -hmm. So um, he goes behind a clump of these plums, and that really gives me a great opportunity to kind of set up. And he, um, because I'm in such a thick spot and my camo's working so well, um, at any point in time that he is not double-eyeing me, you know what I mean, like straight up looking at me, yeah. I can get away with moving a little bit. Not like doing a jumping jack, but kind of shift him away, moving the camera arm, kind of getting ready. Being more of a sleeping jack. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> an oatmeal jack. <laughs> an oatmeal jack for sure. Um, no, no flapjacks. Cannot flapjack in no, there. No. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I have a second window. This this place is like a hunting blind, right? There's like a two-foot hole here, two-foot hole on my right, two-foot hole on my left, you know? And um, he's walking to the hole on my right, and which really sets up good for – for me as a hunter because my shoulders can turn that way pretty good at, at this position. I was shooting from my knees. Um, he makes it to the right to the edge of that thing, and he's trying to look and see me just a little bit more. Um, but one of the bad things about that shooting window is that it starts to get to the point where my camera arm is getting in the way of my shot. So I have to adjust the camera. The deer moves, or I'm sorry, the deer moves forward a little bit to a spot where I could take a shot at him. I just move the camera arm over just slightly. Oh, by the way, I had changed it from auto to manual focus before this. That way I could make sure the deer was in focus. Um, and did that. Uh, the deer was pretty much looking at me, I think, as I drew my bow. Uh, but I felt that it was dark enough and that he was trying to see movement so bad in there that he wasn't going to spook. He, just, he, was, he was not in the spooking mode. He was trying to find the deer that was in there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but he was on alert. Uh, draw my bow and uh, do my best to really not rush my shot. Uh, don't think I rushed it, but I could have definitely taken longer. It's just, man, when you're holding your bow back on an animal, milliseconds feel like, you know, a 40 time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just like, it literally probably was like a two second draw, but it felt like 30. You know, it's yep. just, it's crazy how time slows down. But my pin was steady. I checked my cam. I checked my 
bubble, everything. I mean, it was just a, it was a great shot execution. Not giving myself a pat on the back, but just like it was a good shot. It felt good, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I held for what I thought. I thought he was at 23. I had my single pin set at 20. I put that right at the top of his heart and squeezed the trigger. And I knew as soon as I shot that my arrow was doing good stuff. I mean, it was flying true. Mm-hmm. Right? I knew the deer was going to duck uh, because that's what whitetail do, especially at closer ranges um, when they're on alert. And uh, he ducked into my shot. I thought I'd smoked him. And then as he turned, because he, he wheeled out, I thought for some reason that he would go keep going straight but he wheeled out to go back to where he came from um and on the wheel out i saw that i just did not have good penetration at all it was very bad um but i guess just because i thought the shot was was a good shot i was very optimistic about um where i you know where i'd hit him and i was like okay that didn't look great. It di- I was hoping it would just be a pass through, but um, it's a good it's a good spot on the deer. Like there's vitals where I hit, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I also knew that it was higher than what I wanted. Um, but left to right, it was it was right where I wanted it. Um, then you grabbed the camera. I grabbed the camera because this deer quickly crested the hill, and I couldn't see him anymore. So I grabbed the camera, run up as fast as I can to the top of the hill. The deer is, like, running off real hard, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to run up there, see if I can see him fall or see where he goes. That way I can track him better. I knew because the arrow was high, uh, or not high, but higher than where I wanted. It was above mid-body line. There wouldn't be a ton of blood, and especially because there's probably not an exit hole, right? So I wanted to make sure that if it took this guy a while to get to pumping, that I had a decent bearing on where he went. Well, mm-hmm. it ends up I wasn't able to do that. I ran out there, didn't see him, and that actually felt good because, like, dang, dude, did he fall out there? You know, like, is he out there right now? And I'm kind of having a freak out, kind of not sure how to feel about things because it just – I didn't see him die, and you never feel good if you don't see him drop. That's just kind of how I am right now. And um, I turn around, and there's two brown blobs about 300 <laughs> yards away on the side of the hill. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't scream, but it was like, look, did y'all see that? Because I, I, I just thought I experienced this awesome moment by myself, and y'all got to see it. Jack, uh, was we were sitting there talking up on that hill after we'd shot our deer. Watched the two does go past you, and we weren't sure if you'd shot them or what is happening. And then all of a sudden, Jack goes, there's a big buck, big buck. I was like, where? It's like, over there, going towards KC. He goes, ah, maybe it's mule deer. I put my binos up, and I was like, no, you're right. It's a big buck. And so we watched that big buck and filmed that big buck just skylined going across at you for, like, four (laughs) minutes, man. Yeah. And the whole time I'm thinking he's either seeing you or he's seeing does that had just come by and gotten weird. Mm -hmm. But he was, like, real alert, and he would stop. You know, he'd take a few steps, and then he'd stop, and he'd look for 30 seconds, and he'd take a few more steps. But – as he got closer to you, I didn't realize how close he was. And then all of a sudden, he just takes off running about the same time I hear this weird noise. <laughs> and I told Jack, Casey, just shot him. Just shot him. 
And so we like I followed him out as far as I could until we lost him. And then I looked over, and this dude standing on the skyline over there, <laughs> like <laughs> celebrating. You know, I mean, not celebrating, but like when you saw us, you put your hands up, like, man, I got the shot off. And I was like, man, this is insane. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, I um, was real pumped. And Jack and I started giving high fives, and like I'm talking about like real high fives, dude, like <laughs> MMA style, you know? Yeah, we were we were all pretty high in yeah. about. It seemed like it took y'all forever to get to me because I was like, you know, kind of uh, hyperventilating a little bit. Because um, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, guys, this is the biggest deer I've ever shot. You know, like this is He's this big. is a big buck. Um, eight points, but long tines, good main beams, good mass. You know, giant brow tines. Brow tines. Um, I don't really get the shakes or get super nervous while the shot is being executed or while I'm drawn back. Um, but after it happens, I kind of lose it a little bit sometimes, and that's kind of where I was. Very emotional, very, very like don't know what to think, you know. Very excited too, just overjoyed. Um, and then y'all got there, and uh, of course we're, we're excited. Congratulations! I figured out. I mean, I knew pretty quick when I saw y'all. I was like, they shot something too. That's the only reason they're up there. You know, it's too good of a night for them to just ditch. So I knew y'all had shot something. Um, so we were giving each other high fives and stuff. Uh, but I, I said something to you like it's not perfect, but I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we look back at the footage, and sure enough, you can just tell the penetration isn't great. And that's when we're like, okay, uh, we're going to have to wait and see on this deal. So what we decide to do is go back to the truck, and then actually go back to camp because we <laughs> we're looking for rubber gloves. The V bracket. V-bracket, rubber gloves. And I had to put my danners on. I had to put your danners, danners on. We decided to eat. Danners and nanners. That's what we needed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we decided because we knew it was going to be kind of a late night, especially dealing with two deer. Um, and uh, so we made us some, some road witches and uh, came back. Watched a computer video. Yeah. And uh, really kind of established that it was a good idea to let my buck chill for a little bit. So we went and got yours taken care of. That was awesome. Just fun to have all three guys on the recovery of your buck. He was way down in a hole. We had to, like, put the ratchet strap on his antlers There's, to get him out. Y'all remember that deep side of the canyon I told you about? Yeah. The that is, that's where he landed. <laughs> and so we were we, there was, we had to ratchet strap him up the hill. <laughs> there was blood spots up the hill where he tried to go up yep. and just couldn't make it. Yep. Just kicked the bucket Probably right there. Probably would have been really good footage, man, if yeah. we could have seen it. <laughs> oh, I know. You know he took a tumble down that thing. Oh, yeah, you know, dude. that's crazy. But yeah. he ended up in the bottom. But we got him out. Tyler may have pulled a muscle in his back just a little bit, <laughs> but he got some BC powder and took care of that uh, and got that deer out and got him back to the truck and got to take some pictures and stuff. It was a lot of fun, man. Really mm -hmm. cool deal. Pictures turn out great, man. I, yeah, by the way, I've Jack been killed up. it on some pictures, man. He did a good job on yeah. that deal. Um, then it was time to go try to recover my buck. Um, after so We took a poll, um, like – how confident we were that the deer was dead. I was at 80%. Tyler was at 60%. Jack, I don't remember what you were at. What, pretty what, pretty much 100. Yeah, Jack's, <laughs> Jack's kind of a 0 to 100 kind of guy. He's just like all or nothing, um, which I love the positivity. Um, so between all that, we all were feeling pretty good about this thing. And um, Tyler is by no means a pessimist, but he's like, he does his best to be as realistic as possible. And for him to say 60, that made me feel pretty good. You know, like you were above 50% that you thought the deer was dead. Um, and 
I mean, quite frank, the shot wasn't in a bad spot, yeah. you know. Um, it just didn't get a lot of penetration. Uh, so we go in and start to try to make a recovery on this deer. We we wheel the deer cart in to about where I was sitting, line things up, and go out to where um, the deer was standing. And, of course, there's no blood. I didn't expect there to be. I didn't see any, um, you know, like I said, I shot over mid-body. The blood has to pump out the top as opposed to just running out. So uh, I thought it'd be a little while before he, he went to bleeding. Um, but we went to grid searching and looking, and we weren't finding any blood. Um, so we did some directional stuff and just uh, went to the different draws that we thought he would have bailed off in. And this is not... I'm saying this in about 30 seconds, but we're talking about probably an hour of looking and doing stuff and us all spreading out with headlamps and looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we uh, start walking around. We're, we're shining down the hill trying to find, see if we see a deer or anything. Uh, aren't seeing nothing. We don't see any evidence of blood going down in any of the little ditches that would have led down to the bottom of the hill. Um, so suddenly things are like as every minute passes – the you start to just your mind just starts to get worse and worse as far as like your expectations of finding the deer um i still had hope but i was really coming to grips with the idea like man this shot might not be as good as what i thought it was um and then we start to grid some more along the uh side of the hill there and Jack finds quite a bit of blood on one gopher mound in particular. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, we're back to being positive about this situation. This is a good bit of blood. What's yep. going on here? Um, but we can't find any more. And we're all sitting there thinking, if there's this much blood right here, where is this deer? Like, where is the blood trail to and from this spot? <laughs> Cannot find it. This is so weird. Cannot find it at all. And it's just like, it's a head scratcher, man. We're looking and looking. I mean, down on hands and knees, of course, you know, just trying to find anything and just cannot find anything. And it's about 11.45 at this point in time. We've been up a long time looking for deer. I mean, for us, bedtime out there is like 9 or 9.30 because, A, it gets dark real early, and, B, we're getting up at 4.45. Or really, Tyler and I are rolling around at 3.30 just because we're old, (laughs) old men. Um, but, uh, anyways, we're getting tired. It's getting to the point where it's like, okay, we are going to be much better versions of ourselves in the morning. We're going to make more, more coherent decisions and see, better. see so much better. Um, hopefully just be able to pick up blood and just go find him. So we kind of take a poll. Tyler and I outvoted Jack. Jack was ready to go find the deer. <laughs> uh, and, uh, like I said, appreciate the enthusiasm and the positivity. Um, but we decided to go back and go to sleep and, I'm going to be quite honest. I'm not the kind of guy to lose sleep in a situation like this. I, I can sleep. Yeah, me neither. It, it's, honestly, I, I don't know. I think I get some some uh, peace from God about things a lot. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, <clears throat> not think. I know that I do, right? I mean, it's um, God's will will be enacted no matter what in any situation. Is it God's will that I kill or don't kill a deer? I don't know that. But either way, he's going to work through whatever the situation is. So that kind of helps me a lot. Um, so went back, went to sleep. We actually ate a uh, second supper that night yep. of Snickers and Pop-Tarts, I mm. believe. 
Mm. Uh, <laughs> what? Mm. <laughs> Sounds like T. Jones is hungry. <laughs> I am missing, hungry. missing some pops. You um, know it, man. Uh, dude, fine. I know what you're going to do. You're going to go home and eat some cereal. That's what you're going to do. Oh, man. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Uh, call you wife till you get them lucky charms. Come uh, on now. Honey bunches of oats. Frosted All flakes. the good stuff. So <laughs> we go home. Or not home. We went back to camp. I'm, I'm bad about calling wherever I'm sleeping that night home. It was home um, for a week. It was much. home, yeah. dude. And I'd go back there and make it home again for Me sure. Too. It was um, a good home. But uh, we slept in to like 6 um, and got up, kind of took our time a little bit in the morning, let the sun get hot. You don't want to get out there when it's too early and you can't see great anyways, you know. So we uh, got out. Probably started looking about seven, uh, maybe a little bit later. I don't, I don't remember for sure. I think it was um, a little bit later. About was it seven thirty, seven forty-five? Okay. I think. Um, yeah. And uh, Jack had to make oatmeal again that morning. Not, so, that, it, not uh, that it matters really, yeah. but yeah, we sometime it, it got there. light enough for us to yeah. feel good about it. Um, so, so we go out and we go to that blood spot and start gridding again. And cannot find more blood. And we thought for sure that we'd go back and find more blood. And it just does not happen. So from there, um, I think people start trickling over to the ca- to the uh, side of the hill edge there and just start looking around down in the bottom. Uh, I'm still looking for blood because that's just kind of my take on things. Um, but I think you and Jack both were kind of looking around, and you ended up spotting a deer. Dude, you want to talk about a heart attack, I man. Bet. Golly. <laughs> Dead deer. Dead deer on the ground, white belly. Dude, like... You know, 100 yards from me, down the hill, I see yeah. a dead deer, and I'm like, well, there he is. Coyote runs off. I saw a bald eagle in the tree right above it. Yep. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, thank you. Finally, we found this thing, you know. Uh-huh. Pull my binos up. I can't see antlers on it. I'm like, man, I think I would see antlers. Yes. Kind of say something to Casey and, and Jack, and then I kind of walk down there a little bit, down, not towards it, but uh, closer along the edge of the hill there and can see horns and they are small horns. They're not big horns. I didn't shoot a small horn deer. No. Mm. And so it, I guess the blood on the gopher mound was that deer's blood. That's all we can figure. It has to be. Not going to brag on myself because there's plenty of things to criticize me about on this deal, but like <clears throat> when we found that blood, I was questioning how oh, yeah. old it was. Yeah. It didn't look fresh enough to me. Yeah. Um, but Whenever I found it, I kind of was like, eh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this was, it was from an hour and a half ago. Yeah. It, it was kind of weird. But at the same time, when, when blood falls on, on dirt, it can do weird things. Yeah. Right? right, right. And there was uh, different types of blood there, too. There was like a kind of a thick red spot, and there's like some kind of some thinner mm-hmm. stuff. It's like, well, I don't, I don't have a clue, you know. But... In the dark, how are you going to be like, okay, this isn't my deer's blood. This is a different deer. You know, it's yeah. just not yeah. how it works. No. But all we can figure is that somehow, some way, that little buck um, got shot by somebody or had coyotes get after it or something. Maybe got hit by a car or I don't Who knows? But that had to be either the blood from that deer or maybe something freaky happened where like a hawk ate another bird or something or whatever, you know, but like. For all intents and purposes, we can tell that that was, or we think that that was that deer's blood and not my deer's blood. Mm-hmm. So, at that point in time, we're like, well, crap, dude. We just, 
found this golden nugget of blood, and now that's no longer a piece to our puzzle. So this thing's blown wide open again. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we've looked in the wrong drainage the whole time, and there's a good blood trail for my deer somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, uh, who knows? So what we decided to do instead is to go walk that belt of timber, spread out three wide, and just get the wind in our face and kind of just mosey your way through there looking for a dead deer, looking for blood, or looking for him get up or something. And uh, we jumped a bunch of deer out of this thing. It's definitely where the deer are living. There was deer bedded all over. Actually, we walked up like 40 yards from a little buck, and just he just looked at us because mm-hmm. he felt so good about where he's sitting that he didn't think that anybody would mess with him. I know? jumped a deer that was 15 yards or less from me. I'm talking she was getting out so quick. She was tripping over everything. She had to have been closer than that to Jack when he passed by, probably. Yeah. yeah. But um, Jack's cowboy boots don't slow down very well. <laughs> no. They're, I, uh, they're fast, That man. day he wore his they're lacrosse, so I think. Oh, well, then that's why. Because he, he had he, grip. He knew, dude. He, he had was, grip to walk fast. Yeah, I also jumped a spike uh, Did you? down the drainage. Yeah. Jack kind of outran us. I think he's got long legs. So yeah, he, he got he got does. up in front of us a little ways. Um, but we were um, walking along, doing our thing, jumping a few deer here and there. And I'm always, like, looking on their heads, just seeing, just checking. Well, sure enough, um, we're doing this thing. Tyler and I kind of are in eye contact with each other. And I see a big frame run down the edge of the belt of timber. And I said, big buck. And I just take off sprinting because – at this point in time, if my deer is on his feet, he's fine. You know, we talked about this earlier in the trip or that evening before that if you shoot a deer like in the liver or something, um, he's going to die, but who knows how long. Whereas the shot that I made, the deer is either dead on the ground or he's fine because yep. you just didn't get to anything vital because yep. it just stopped in his shoulder. Um, I don't have anything conclusive just by that glimpse. I just know there's a big buck running, so I run as fast as I can to, and did not pull a hamstring, which I cannot believe because I, <laughs> I'm a hamstring pulling fool. Um, but uh, I get up to where I can see, and I kind of catch up to him, sort of. He's like 50 yards away, but he slows up because I think he feels pretty comfortable, and he probably couldn't hear me running because I was in real soft grass, and it was kind of windy. Um, but I think he might have saw or heard Jack further down. So he stopped, turned around, came back towards me, actually came to like 35 yards and stopped, never knew I was there, but I, I like wasn't drawing my bow and trying to shoot the deer because I wanted to make sure I wasn't, um, you know, culling. I, I didn't want to high stick this thing. I wanted to make sure that this was my deer before I took a shot at it, right? And then from that 35-yard spot, I'm like, okay, big frame, eight point, looks like my buck. I'm looking for those brow times to make sure. Um, or what's the other word? The people brow times. What? what a, times. Yeah. Brow uh, ties. Who's brow ties? ties. Brow ties. Where, where yep. That, where's that from? Um, I'm trying to. Rack it's my from brain. a certain archery shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Brow ties. Uh, ties. From a person that you wouldn't think would do that. Call that. Yep. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Either way, um, that buck turns 180 degrees from me and actually runs right past the base of the tree that y'all were sitting in the evening before. Um, mm-hmm. up this little drainage and I see him turn see him run away and I can tell this deer has sizable brow tines now he uh, ties. brow, brow ties, ties. Yeah. yeah please don't he say time wasn't, again um, <laughs> wasn't super uh, or I'm sorry it wasn't super detailed because 
when I was looking at him the night before, he was skylit, so I could see every detail of the antler. This, you know, it's got brush and stuff around, but after looking at it, at that moment, I was 80% sure that was my deer, 100% alive, not even, didn't even, hadn't even slowed a step. You know what I mean? Like, when I saw him running down the side of the hill, or down the side of the timber belt, I mean, um, he had the whole, I'm going to sneak out of here, and I'm a big mature buck kind of thing going on. I, if you've ever jumped a deer, you know, like, the different types of runs that deer have or whatever like he had his head held high his his butt was kind of low and he was kind of he was going fast but trying to stay still kind of stealthy and look for a hole uh-huh. you know what i mean and he wasn't hurt at yeah. all um which was the weirdest feeling to me because i was so sad that my deer was alive but i was so happy that my deer was alive yeah it's a it's a weird thing and now like I was 80% sure in that moment, and now after thinking about it, thinking about how many deer we saw that size, that would be one on the whole trip. Like, it just I I am almost 100% positive that's him. Yeah, and he's fine. Yeah. He was he went. I jumped him from where we thought he would have ended up. Mm-hmm. You know, actually that night we didn't tell this detail, but that night you and Jack heard a deer get up. Yep, and kind of run down that direction exactly mm-hmm. where that deer. So it could have been him. You know. Um, this deer had no blood on any side of him, but on his right side, which is where I would have hit him, his hair was kind of messed up a little bit. Mm. So, I mean, I'm pretty much saying that that's him, and I'll live and die by it, and he's fine. Yeah. Uh, it just stinks, man. It stinks so bad because I just thought that I thought I had him. Yeah. You know, I thought he was mine, and um, – Maybe I'm just too greedy about things. I don't know. But it was just, I hit this deer in the perfectly wrong spot. Because with the setup I shoot, I can punch through about near anything except for that ridge. If you When you when you debone a deer, you'll know this, on the front shoulder. If you haven't done this, you need to do it from time to time just so you can kind of understand stuff about deer anatomy. But the shoulder blade isn't just a flat blade. It's not like a moose antler. It's got a ridge about three quarters the way onto one side that sticks straight up and you actually have two roasts that come off of that called blade roasts um and if you happen to hit your arrow no matter what you're shooting if it's a if it's with a bow right on that ridge you're not going to get through there and you can look on our foot on the footage that i have this deer my arrow goes and it stops and it twangs now, whenever I shot the deer and then re- re- reviewed footage, I was being optimistic and thinking that I had shot through one shoulder blade and that happened on the opposite shoulder blade. But in retrospect, looking at how much arrow is hanging out of the deer and how much pen- penetration I got and then seeing that, it's just almost a definite that I just squared up on a shoulder of a deer as hard as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And he barely even has a flesh wound. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just straight into muscle. I mean, straight through a little bit of muscle, right into bone. And uh, there's a good chance I could shoot at that deer next year in South Dakota as long as somebody doesn't smoke him with a rifle. Yeah. So, um, really, really stinks. I hate it, but at least he's not even hardly wounded. You know, I c- there's a good chance that deer eats at that alfalfa field tonight. Right. You know, like he's, it's not like he's like, shot and gonna have to recover for a long time so i don't have that like same type of remorse that i've had in the past where if i lost a deer like you know 
uh, we talked about this too. Like this is kind of a bad run for me because um, last year I ended my season on a whitetail buck that I hit and lost, and he died for sure, um, which is not fun. But at least this one didn't die. But it's still like crap, dude. Bow hunting is hard. That's yep. what I have to say. <laughs> Stuff, man. man. Yeah, especially from the ground. I'm not making excuses for myself, but I mean, I've done some hard stuff, and making you know, and killing deer with a bow is top of the list. Maybe whitetails with a bow from the ground has got to be up there as one of the top tough things, man. It's hard, you know. It is, especially with a, a a big bodied buck like that thing, you know. Like yeah. we're not talking just a a doe that you're trying to break through. Like this is the biggest bone structure you're going to find up there pretty much you know like he's about topped out all as far as bone structure goes i don't know that's a that's it that's my, that's my story yeah. not, i can go on forever about it but that kind of uh that day seven look for that deer concluded our hunt yeah. you had tagged out i wasn't going to hunt anymore after that i had my shot at a big deer we kind of blew out the spot looking for him and then uh we decided uh, to go short, to Nebraska. Yeah, shortly thereafter, picked up camp and headed to Nebraska. And, yep. uh, you know, bone the deer out and everything, make yeah. sure we're legal and all that. But uh, Yeah, CWD we, makes it hard to hunt out of state nowadays. It does, man. Um, but, yeah, we headed to Nebraska. We hunted this morning, Jack and I did, and you can barely call it that. It was more of just a bow hike. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> we, we had a, It was a beautiful morning. It was a good morning to get out and do some stuff. But we left – we actually left um, – you know the we met you at the gate at 8 a.m to basically go home because i was just like i told you you know if i don't have service eight o'clock is good um if uh if i do have service and we can adjust it from there and i texted you when i had service i said let's make it eight because we couldn't get up into a tree there was some giant cottonwoods and then some of the smaller trees had a ton of leaves um you know south dakota is not nebraska it's a it's still still kind of early fall in Nebraska. Yeah. It is uh, for real fall up there in South Dakota. So there's a lot of leaves on the trees this morning. And we just, you know, we were just trying to kind of make something happen this morning. Just it was uh, still a lot just, of crops standing in Nebraska, too. Yeah, lots of crops standing. And I just, uh, you know, we just gave it one last little try to see if something could happen this yeah. morning to make something special happen. And it didn't. Uh, so anyway, we had. Um, we had a bunch of concepts that we wanted to kind of talk about, and we can do this pretty quickly because I know this podcast is getting pretty long. Uh, but we have some kind of things that we wanted to kind of talk about in wraps for this podcast. Um, Jack, first thing I want to talk about is mm-hmm. are you taking a shotgun to South Dakota next year? I am, 100%. And are you going to hunt with a license or not? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, Pheasant um, Central. There. Burn We've central. talked about like ways to make things happen, you know. I mean, uh, that would be real fun up there. And us three having shotguns and just being able to pile out and shoot birds on public land, man, would be awesome. Here's a cool thing about South Dakota. Yep. South Dakota, South Dakota is a road ditch state. Baby. From everything I can tell. Worth calling the game warden from, like I said an hour ago, uh, maybe an hour and a half ago, who knows. <laughs> Don't take legal advice from the element. Yeah. But – from what I read in the rule book, it says you are allowed to shoot game birds of all sorts as long as you exit the vehicle, load your gun, and then shoot the bird. Yeah. So you can ride around with a shotgun, not chambered, jump out of your vehicle, and then shoot birds on any road ditch Yeah. in South Dakota. 
I'm leaving the action open. Let me tell you something. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> How many grouse did we see in road ditches? A lot, A dude. Lot. Too many. Too many. I yes. mean, I think like that last morning we jumped like 21 or something right there. It was the crazy, ditch. man. Dude. Nuts. Yeah. But uh, anyway, bird paradise for sure. That was pretty fun. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this, um, but we wanted to kind of emphasize the patience aspect of this hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes us sound like we're glorifying ourselves. But, man, we were we worked really hard to have that patience because, like I said, we were trying to talk ourselves into it and talking each other out of it several times. Uh, but, man, even on public land, if you find a spot, you know what's going on. If you're hunting private land, it's the same way. It's the same concept. There's plenty of podcasts out there that talk about the private land aspects of hunting this particular deer, right, and how you don't go in there until everything's right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. I think that's good. As long as you got other places to hunt, you don't want to just hunt one time a year. But um, same thing on, on public, like we were seeing, is like if you got a place that you know you can go kill in, just wait till the wind's right. And we had to really – I mean, it was like, you know, essentially – the day, the sixth day, and I think I guess we worked, we waited five days of season to to actually go in there, pretty mm-hmm. much. So it was like, it just felt like forever, you know. So especially um, whenever you've got like family at home who really don't want you to be gone for nine days. <laughs> yeah. If you could seal it up on day two or three, they'd be real happy. Which I would think a lot of times, if you know, two or three days of patience, you should be able to get the right wind, yeah, you know, exactly. or a wind. Yeah. So. And I think that, honestly, that's where hunting as a team helped us because, man, if I'm up there by myself, I'm going to talk myself into doing it earlier. Mm -hmm. And and we had to talk each other out of it a couple times, right? Yeah. It's just um, (coughs) sometimes you don't really process things because you're just trying to be, especially myself, uh, optimistic about your chances on things, you know. Yeah. It's it's definitely definitely a big key point for us. Um, We also... Uh, hit on this earlier, but mule deer versus whitetail when their ranges cross, um, still can't really help you on that one. <laughs> All I can say on that, personally, what I observed this week, if there's um, that breaky country kind of badland stuff mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of brush, it's probably just mule deer. Yeah. Otherwise, good luck. I don't know what to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, as far as like figuring out where for sure there's going to be just whitetails, you can't do that. And I can't tell you where a mule deer buck really lives except for on private land. So, yes. Uh, camping to hunt. Any thoughts, any tips there? I mean, I know like we did lots of uh, eating from, we have food totes that we take that mm-hmm. have all our food in it. And we did lots of eating. And the best thing about like hunting with dudes that, you know, not going solo hunting, but hunting with their dudes is like uh, if, you know, I don't have a uh, certain type of chips. You know, we can trade food. We can eat each other's food or whatever. And, like, you get a little more variety in yeah. in, in uh, working that way. And, and, you know, if you're Jack, you get spoons <laughs> and bowls and uh, ramens and all yeah. kinds. What and else do you No get? dirty dishes duty at all. That's apparently. right. Yeah, and uh, people get the sandwich <laughs> stuff out for you and put it up for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> um, Jack, sorry, dude. Yeah, people bring you pop tarts. Um, I don't know I, about bring me them, but <laughs> I have to find them because you'll hide them. Oh, <laughs> poor Jack. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that uh, water was a, a serious situation for us yeah. on this trip. Um, luckily, you have one of those five gallon tubs, and we only had to go fill water a few times. But South Dakota is not like a mountain state where you can go filter water. Um, there's like no clear water streams anywhere, so uh, yeah. Well, where we were at, yeah. So I don't, yeah, I don't know much about the whole state. Yeah, I yeah, guess I don't that's either. true. But 
Um, I don't want to drink cow water too much. No. No. So uh, we had to fill water. I think that um, having two five-gallon jugs would have been better, but we kind of maxed out the truck as is, so yeah. I don't know what we could have done there. But uh, otherwise, um, Another thing we were takeaway. able to do is um, we took a s- kind of smaller ice chest for the food, mm-hmm. and we took a large one and um, – use that for the deer obviously yeah uh but we you know we were able to uh basically throw the deer in there and um put ice on it uh once we got kind of headed back on the road uh but like i think that uh maybe having like some kind of like a a drop cloth or something would be would have been real nice to help clean that deer a little bit yeah um or to to bone it out (laughs) without getting dirt all over the meat and stuff uh, that brings up a good point though that um if you and i both had killed a deer We'd have had ample room in the ice chest. I don't think we need as much ice chest as what we brought with us. Yeah. Because whenever you're, like, dealing with CWD regulations, you have to debone your deer uh, completely. Like, meat is nowhere near as much room as hams and shoulders. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, we can, we might have been able to fit, fit six deer in that big ice yeah. chest back there. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe, like, a, especially if you're a single guy, not single, but, like, hunting by yourself or one tag or whatever, like, just one of those 40-quart coolers probably would hold deboned meat. Yeah. You know? Um, talk about the implications of rifle seasons and the quality of whitetails and salmon in some of these areas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, salmon salmon have been decimated in the area. Um, but um, it seems that's like... worldwide. Yeah. It seems like to me that uh, we saw a ton of year-and-a-half old bucks. Um, like maybe one jack we saw a one two-year-old buck yep um i saw i guess sitting on the ground by myself a couple more two-year-olds um but that was like in deer concentration mecca over there you know outside of that like there just was not a lot of age class to the deer and tyler you saw similar stuff right yeah i mean I don't even know if I really said what my buck is. I can't remember that far. Yeah, back. he's like a two-year-old eight or something. Yeah, or, yeah. No, uh, just yeah. a basket eight, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He, ain't, he ain't that big, but uh, um, I'm super stoked about it. You oh, know, yeah, I was dude. so happy. Um, and, and by that point in the hunt, you know, that's a pretty pretty big achievement for me. And so yeah, it's public land deer, dude. Yeah. Like it's just oh, it's, there's just so many of those get killed in here. Yeah, that's what Brian Broderick was talking about earlier, man. Yeah. Like he was he was like, man, he goes. And Brian's a dude that's killed some big deer, man. Yes. And, like, he doesn't – he's a guy that could very easily not care about these little deer. That he's also a guy shoot. who's very – could very easily rage us and, and not care about it, too. Yeah. Like, if, he, if yeah. Brian wants to, yeah. he'll tell us what he thinks. Yeah. So, so when he says he was, something, he means it. Yeah, he was he was pretty daggum excited about it, yeah, man. He, so, and he, he was, was – he gave me a big kudos and yeah. a big, big congratulations. So, I thought that was cool. Um, but, yeah, that, that was the – probably the biggest buck that i saw outside of the mile and a half glassing yeah uh stint we had the first day but um you know that's a direct result of uh rifle seasons being long and um having concentrated deer right you're just gonna have older age class deer get shot because it's a dude if i could kill any buck within 200 yards of me this week i could have killed 30 bucks dude we talked about this in Nebraska. Jack and I would have killed the buck that we had at 12 yards because I uh, turkey called him to stop at 90. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just freehand, no big deal. Um, we would have killed two, three, four elk in Colorado, as many as we uh, had tags for, you know. Yeah. 
um, with rifles, and then we could have killed out here with rifles several times too. And yeah. so it's a uh, it's definitely a, a big advantage, you know. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh, knock rifle hunting at all. I, I'd love to shoot a deer with a rifle. I'm going to try to shoot one with a rifle this year, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm just saying that we have had some close calls, man, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know it's been a little bit disappointing. But yeah. we've been we've been close, man. So yeah. But uh, the point is, a, is that uh, you can go out and kill bucks with a rifle, right. and that's and so, why we have a, the age class. Well, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's just. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of similar to home. Lots of young bucks, Yeah, man. lots of young bucks. And I think that's just, like I said, a direct result of having longer rifle seasons, which I don't even know what the rifle season is necessarily, but I know that a lot of people get after them with rifles out mm -hmm. there. So um, that's one of the, you know, that's one of those things uh, that just happens there and you're going to deal with. So anyway, uh, the last kind of thing I wanted to hit on was you've already probably talked about every one of the concepts you're about to talk about in your story. So just hit the highlights of what you need to think about if you're hunting from the ground. Um, wind direction, uh, the ability to see, the uh, shot distance, I think, is the, uh, a huge one because when you're hunting from the ground, especially in grassland country, you can't range anything. Mm. Uh, it's hard to range a piece of grass and know which one you hit and how far it is. Mm -hmm. So unless you've been there before or you can put out a marker or whatever, which I don't suggest doing because then you'll send stuff up. That's a huge thing. Drawing from the ground is difficult because you got to have some concealment. They're going to see you. And then uh, you got to think about your shot angles because from a tree stand, if I'd have hit this deer where I did, it would have gone down as opposed to in, mm -hmm. and it would have exited out uh, his like lower quarter on the other side, and he'd been dead in 60 yards. But because I actually was shooting slightly uphill, um, it was even more difficult of an angle than flat. So. Right. Those are probably the, the top ones there. Yeah, for sure. Um, these videos are going to come out soon, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard on them. We've been gone quite a bit in yeah. the last few months, last month essentially, especially oh, me and Jack. Oh, let me say something real quick too. Yeah. Uh, we never hung true tree stands. We hunted saddles the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> saddle, we none of us have ever been like, oh, I just want to be a saddle hunter. Here's my <laughs> saddle selfie. But um, we. <laughs> We kind of thought it was a good idea. You've thought that you weren't that comfortable in them mm -hmm. and probably still think that, I'm sure, um, because you're just kind of a big guy. Not not a big hunter not or anything. Not a big hunter, but, right. But, but <laughs> yeah, just a, a large-framed human. Um, but it just made it super accessible. Like, walking in a mile and a quarter with a regular stand, we've done it plenty of times. It is the worst. Yeah. And it's really just hiking pretty yeah. much when you got a saddle on, so... Yeah, they were real nice. Oh, it was it was real nice for sure, yeah. man. Yeah, I uh, I probably will hunt out of a tree stand some this year, but I was very happy to have a saddle, man. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, those are definitely the high points and the thoughts that we have afterwards. Um, like I said, videos are coming out soon. I hope. Um, if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, yo crazy, so go do it. <laughs> uh, and Colorado should be coming out real quick. I've got that second video uh, lined up. There's some pretty cool stuff, man. Uh, uh, we do have another elk encounter, get a bull on video. Things die. Um, things die, yep. Um, I'm thinking you probably know that it's not an elk. but Fish there are and things. fowl. Fish and fowl. Um, so Fitted yeah, feather. yeah, we had a uh, we had some fun stuff happen. Filet um, and mignon. Filet. <laughs> so, 
Uh, anyway, go check, you know, subscribe on the YouTube channel so you can see uh, the videos that are going to come out this season. We're going to have probably, it looks like maybe three videos from South Dakota. Uh, all this stuff we've talked about is on video because we got Jack Summers, man. Click, clack, Jack <laughs> with us. And uh, we, we got some good footage, man, some good stills. Uh, so we're going to be leaking out some of that stuff. Um, sorry for the tease. Um, if you're listening... We've already teased this out and shown everybody, um, you know, if you were thinking that we were going to shoot a big buck and tease it, you're wrong because we're teasing the little buck. <laughs> so don't be disappointed. Don't be mad at it. It's, uh, hopefully we'll tease another big buck uh, or a big buck again someday soon. Yeah. Sorry um, I didn't kill a big buck, guys. I got real close. It was close, man. Yeah. It was everything you could do to get it where you were, man. So good, good moves on your part, man. Good thoughts. We really worked all of us work together to, to make things happen and and uh, feels good to as a team uh do what we've done on this trip man and i'm really excited because uh it was not hunting season in texas when we left and now it's deer season my goodness and uh, i gotta go put out some golden nuggets that's right i gotta get some corn on the ground and hopefully get something killed there and then later this month when we get a cold front we might have to make a flying trip to illinois slash iowa so i'm looking forward to that i think that's going to definitely happen and um, I'm just excited about November after that. So hopefully uh, we can get some real experts on the podcast sometime this month for you. Be checking out the Big Buck Breakdowns uh, because there's some cool stories. There's some big bucks going down, and we're about to hop on the phone with a dude right now and do one of those. So anyway, make sure you're subscribed here on the podcast as well. And remember, this is your element. Living it. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space